And welcome, everyone, to another episode of The Kuehl Show. I am your host today, the insider of the insiders, Tyler Kuehl. Hopped up on coffee, hopped up on Deathwish coffee, jacked up because it is the offseason. But Tyler, you can't be excited. Hockey's done. There's no hockey to talk about. Guess what? That's what we live for here on 12-Ounce Sports. Wow, am I peeking out already? I think I'm tapping. Oh, man. I'm pretty sure I'm getting, I'm pretty much I'm scratching everything, every monitor, every every meter, and this thing's broken now. Woo! Sorry, I'd make sure I could yell that out. I'm all jacked up. Sorry, I listened to the 1812 Overture before the show, and just the finale, we're just, like, that gets me jacked up. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Kill Show, and we are live here once again on 12 Ounce Sports, which is that there in the corner. That in the corner, right over there, 12 Ounce Sports. Whether you're watching us on YouTube, whether you're on Facebook, whether you're on the tweeters, whether you're on Zingo TV, channel 761. If you want to watch us on there, you can sign up for free. Use the promo code 12 Ounce, which is the one, the number two, the letter O, the letter Z, or Z if you speak improper English. We are ready to go. And SPH and Rando's already in there talking about NAHL time because, well, he I mean he's got some stuff to talk about in the Fed. That's on his show coming up later on here on 12 Out Sports. But man, we are whew, we are ready to go here today. We got a lot to get to. And yes, I know I am I am by myself on a Monday. I know usually this is a quick shift thing, which we don't even have quick shift anymore because the season's over. But we are it's okay. Alex unfortunately was deemed unfit to host today. He was not able to make it, but that's okay. We'll be able to get on by with them because we got a full list of stuff to get to today. Man, we got of course we not we got so much going on this week, guys. It seems like yes, the season just ended, but here here's the kicker. Yes, I can hear you through the window, hon. Callie's saying goodbye through the window here. That's into the office. But anyways, are you okay now, hon? Oh, she's gone. Okay, she's going to work today. I'm trying to share everything all at once here. This is so much easier to when I'm like trying to do it with Alex here. So I'm just like, oh, what do I do? There we go. Okay. And make sure I share. Don't want to share it to Wood Radio. Don't want to do that. That'd be bad. All right. We're posting. Okay. Whew. And we're all caught up with everything. All right. Now we're all good. We're all good here on 12 Ounce Sports. We must thank, before we get to all of our stuff today, because we're going to talk about the draft. We're going to talk about free agency. But before we get to all that, we got to thank a few sponsors. MyBookie.ag down there. Make sure you go on there. Use the promo code 12OUNCESPORTS, which is, once again, the number one, the number two, the letter O, the letter Z, and sports. If you can't spell sports, well, I, I'm sorry. Uh, well, I mean, it's in the logo for 12OUNCESPORTS right down there. Just look at that. And you can go on there, bet on your favorite sports, NFL, when you know when players aren't sick, they're going on. Major League Baseball's wrapping up. Their playoffs are now in the NL and AL Divisional Series. The NBA Finals are... Well, I mean, Miami won last night, but it's pretty much over. Let's be honest. LeBron James just felt like, oh, let's just take the rest of this game off and we'll win games four and five. I did pick the Lakers to win in five. I said the Heat were going to win one. But make sure you go on there, bet on all your favorite sports, win and get paid using mybookie.ag. And of course, second string leather company. Benny, right there. There we are. I almost pointed at the wrong spot. I was pointing up to the heavens. I was pointing right there. Second string leather company. Once again, use. they're still doing the 10% off. The 10% off, is it? Yes, 10% off deal where you can buy one item and you get 10% off any bundle, any apparel item, which includes cool shirts like these right here. And, of course, Alex has the awesome Fisherman Jack shirt. I have the other second string leather shirt. You can get toques. You can get baseball hats. You can get, I'm pretty sure they have, like, well, obviously they have, like, your wallets and all that other stuff. But in terms of apparel items, they got shirts. 
They got hoodies, crewnecks, I believe, all sorts of cool stuff on Second String Leather Company, hashtag crafted from the crease. And of course, you must remember that you can also get your own swag because TKS has their own merchandise. Look at all this cool stuff. But if you're listening, let me tell you about the cool stuff that we have. We have crew neck sweaters. We have hoodie sweaters. We have t-shirts. We have long sleeve shirts. We have women's shirts. We have men's shirts. We have shirts for your dog. Actually, we don't have that yet. I mean, if you get a small enough shirt and your dog's big enough, I'm pretty sure it works out. Go on teespring.com slash store slash the Kula Show. But when you put the Kula Show, make sure you put a dash where the spaces would be so you get to the right web address. If not, you know, just go on our all of our pages or just look in the description of the podcast that you're listening to. Or if you're watching, of course, the replay on the Kula Show YouTube channel, make sure, you, of course, you follow us on our social media platforms at the Kula Show on Twitter. Facebook, Instagram, because we post stuff all the time. Dumb stuff, mostly, but stuff. S-T-U-F-F, stuff. Man, that coffee was good. This can be a really, really long show, guys. If, if you just fast forward probably an hour into this, it's going to be me just sitting here just like, just talking just about random things off into the ceiling, just talking to things on the wall. Sorry, Kelly made me watch a very weird Netflix series about people talking to things that don't exist. It's incredibly odd, but regardless, make sure you go on there. Of course, use the hashtag TKS or hashtag the Kula show. We're talking about today's episode. We have so much to get to today. Uh, Let's see. Rando says, check the DMs. Uh, Oh, (laughs) oh man. He's already got a teespring going for it there. Frazier hockey. Oh, that's clever. So Quick, um, just a little teaser for random. I'm not going to take his whole thunder. The Frazier hockey team, the Motor City Rockers, that was supposed to be in the Federal Hockey League, ended up folding before it even happened. And Brando's going to get into more of that on his show tonight. There's already a shirt on teespring.com, and the page is literally the RIP Frazier hockey. <laughs> and it, the description's great because sometimes you can put whatever you want in the description. We usually typically put our show link. His is vague and copyright free enough so lawyers don't get me. <laughs> Oh, Rando, you're on. You're on fire, Rando. Look at that. Oh, Stang, I forgot the sticker for a kill quest. Oh, man. Everyone's getting on me, and it's so early in the show. We only are seven minutes in. Uh, I was supposed to put the sticker on the show. You know what? Heck. Yeah, I'm back. All right, there we go. I had to turn off the mic so I didn't, if I wasn't yelling anything bad. All right, here we are. Yeah, hold on, Dad. I got this. How do you peel off this sticker? Ah! We are on fire here today. This is what happens when Alex isn't here. I get let loose. All right. I got this right way. Make sure the tree's the right way. We'll put it right underneath the second string. There we go. Look at that. Look at that bad boy. All right. Look at that, folks. Look at that logo we got there. The Keel Quest logo. Yes, or Keel Quest or whatnot. That is my dad is dad. Well, the one you always see in the chat. Dad or the Keel Quest YouTube channel in there. That's what that is right there. They have their own. I'm oh, out of shape. I maybe ran like 50 feet, but I'm exhausted. But it's on there. It's there. Dad, stop. Just, yeah. I did it. Be happy. But go on there. If you're an outdoorsy folk, make sure you go on there. They always tweet. They always post a bunch of good stuff on there. Not just their YouTube, but also their Instagram. Oh, boy. Maybe I shouldn't have chugged that coffee so quickly. All right. Whew. All right. I think we're good. Did we get through all of our, all of our stuff already? I think we're good. Yep. Ha. Huh. All right. So on today's show, if we ever get to any of it, we obviously aren't talking about the draft, the NHL entry draft, which starts actually tomorrow. Round one is tomorrow, starting tomorrow night. And then round two through seven 
is on Wednesday. We're going to have a lot to talk about. We're going to do, obviously, a recap next week. Maybe we have a guest for that show. Just have to wait and see about that one. But I will give my top 10 picks. So the first 10 teams in the draft, which includes two picks from Ottawa, I will pick in that order. Because if I go the entire first round, listen, folks, that would be a whole two and a half hours in itself. But because we got so much more to talk about today, we have some buyouts. We have a pretty recent buyout, actually, today. We have a trade to talk about. We'll get to that first thing on the show. We have contract extensions, rumor season, and free agency starts on Friday. Holy cow! We've only been out of the playoffs for a week, and we're already talking about, we're already knee-deep in the offseason. We'll get to, well, you'll see who I think. We'll get to the big names that are going to be on the free agent block, possibly this year, and I'm going to tell you where they're going to go. Well, where I think they may go, because obviously the point is so they don't stay at home. I mean, there'll be probably a couple guys that'll say, oh yeah, they'll get picked. They'll get picked up by this team or they'll stay with their team or whatnot. Taylor Hall has turned into a very interesting story because now what we're learning, and as I kind of will attain to later, is that Taylor Hall sounds like he's not going to be a Coyote. Simply because of the fact that reports are coming from multiple individuals that they are currently shopping his rights because he is a free agent. Remember Kevin Hayes last year. Winnipeg traded him to Philadelphia for a fifth round pick, I think it was, simply because they weren't sure if they were actually going to sign him or not. Because, obviously, you want to get rid of a guy. But, like I said, we'll get to all that later here on today's episode of The Cule Show because we got so much to get to today. Let's start off with the big news. Well, the, I guess I want to say breaking news because it happened about an hour ago now. A trade that happened between the Minnesota Wild and the San Jose Sharks. Devin Dubnik, the, I guess you can say now backup goaltender. I'm not sure exactly if he is officially, would have been officially, but he's no longer Minnesota Wild. He goes to San Jose along with a 2022 seventh round pick to the Sharks. Minnesota just receives a 2022 fifth round pick because now we're at that point where they can trade the 2022 picks. This isn't like junior hockey where you can trade 2026 draft picks, which are pretty much 13 year olds at this point, but. There is obviously in there, and this is a different trade because I wrote about it in a few weeks ago in one of my pieces for the hockey writers talking about how Alex Stalock, this is his opportunity to get the number one job on an NHL team. He played really well for the wild in that qualifying round series against Vancouver and for Minnesota to even get in that position to be in the qualifying round was thanks to Alex Stalock because when Bruce Boudreaux was coaching early on, he kind of platooned him, you know, whoever was hot, whoever was not. But then Boudreaux gets fired, and then it's like, Dean Evison's okay. I'm like, well, Stalock's playing better. Let's just let's push him and see what happens. Ended up working out. They were able to get within the top 20 or top 12 teams in the West. Now, obviously, when everything paused in March, it wasn't like they thought, oh, this is perfect, right where we want to be, because we know that there's going to be a playoff like this. No one knew that. But the way Stalock played and the way he was able to hold Minnesota in that series really shows why he can be a number one goaltender. So I believe that's one part of this trade that we see is that this is Bill Guerin, Dean Evison, and the Minnesota Wild saying, hey, Stalock, that's our guy. Or at least I think so. Because obviously there's a lot of goaltending available in free agency. But you got to look at it from Minnesota's perspective. They have a very good young prospect in Kakinen, played a little bit last couple, I think it was just last season he made a few starts, and he looked pretty good. Now, obviously not ready to make that full-time jump into the NHL yet, but he looks good down in Iowa in the American Hockey League. 
looked pretty impressive in his time with the Minnesota Wild in the NHL level. So I think you should give this guy an honest chance here. And obviously, maybe not a 1A, 1B scenario because he is so young, but you have a veteran goaltender in Alex Stalock that, and you know, it's kind of, I don't want to say unfortunate or whatnot, but who has been a backup goaltender for a lot of different teams, including the San Jose Sharks. So he can kind of take Kappa Kakinen along because if Minnesota is really wanting him to be like, I guess you'd say they're Thatcher Demko, if you're kind of looking at it from Vancouver's perspective, kind of a comparison, you can take a veteran goaltender and be like, all right, here are the ropes, kid, and kind of bring him on along. Now, obviously, it's a little different because Stalock is from the U.S. and Kapo is from Finland, whereas Markstrom is from Sweden. And Demico. so European, and it just it's a flip between the European and American, and now the American the star, Europeans the backup. If you don't think about it too much, folks, it works out perfectly. Now, San Jose, what are they getting? Well, this means one of two things. Marty Jones or Arendelle are out. I'm not quite sure what the move's going to be. World Hockey Report decided to tweet out right before the show and say, hey, are they going to buy, is San Jose going to buy out Martin Jones? And I'm just like, don't do this to me. Because you know what's going to happen, folks. We're going to go off the air around 8.30 tonight. Rando's going to go on. And you know what's going to happen? Breaking news out of San Jose. Martin Jones is bought out by the San Jose Sharks, which will, at that point, I'll just grab my laptop and just chuck it out the window because I'm like, well, we'll never have an opportunity to have breaking news anymore because this trade's really not breaking. It's Like I said, it was an hour ago at this point. But I'm just interested to see what the Sharks are going to do now because now you have three goaltenders in the NHL. As I jump onto my cap friendly, Aaron Dell is an unrestricted free agent. So, and he is 31 years old. He's actually older than Martin Jones. That's the thing in all this. So I don't know if San Jose is just going to let him walk. I mean, it wasn't like he was a substantially, I don't use the word exquisite, but excellent goaltender to really push Martin Jones. Because at one point, yes, that, that tandem in 26, I'd say 2017, 2018, 2019, they were a pretty good tandem. Got to the conference finals in 2019. 18, yeah, kind of flamed out a little bit when they went up against San Jose in that second round. 17 out in the first round. But that's obviously gone past, and the Sharks are heading in a different direction. This team is obviously ready to... They, I don't see them being competitive again, guys. But they bring in Dubnik, and they get a draft pick for it. They get a draft pick and a goaltender because they know they're losing one. Dubnik is one more year at 2.16666666666666667 million dollars. It's a two-thirds deal, guys. And they have Martin Jones signed through 2024. And that 5.75, that's a lot of cash. That even if you buy him out, it's still going to count against your cap. And it's not like the Sharks have a lot of money to spend anyways. As of right now, heading into next season, they only have a little over $10 million, and they have Kevin LeBanc to sign. Remember that one-year, $1 million contract? Yeah, arbitration rights, guys. He needs money. Melker Carlson's a UFA. He may go. Stefan Notion, he's a UFA. I don't know if you're going to. I mean, you made him for a roster spot. And then you got guys like Dalton Prout, Jacob Middleton's an RFA, Brandon Davidson's a UFA, and good old St. Thomas boy, Joe Thornton. I mean, I, at this point, I don't think he's going to be worth anything more than a million dollars, but guys, he's uh, he's getting up there. He's one of the oldest players in the league right now, 41 years old. The next closest player in age is Logan Couture, 
who is 31. He signed forever. When's he signed through? 2027. Signed for $8 million a year. Man, listen, kids, you all, everyone always looks at the, they always look at the GM and say, how could you sign that contract? And then if I look at it from a perspective of as a, as a gen or as a player, you're getting a steal because you just made that team look like absolute suckers because now you have a team that's shown that they really want to, they really want to keep you there and they're going to keep you there for a long time. But now they're going to regret signing you for 8 million. And I, I mean, gosh, guys, look, Eric Carlson's another prime example. He's 11 and a half million dollars through 2027 guys. The Sharks aren't going to win for a long time. They are now, they are literally the LA Kings. The only difference is the LA Kings actually won a couple of cups, guys. You guys have to remember that. San Jose hasn't won squat. And I don't think they ever will at this point. Unless, you know, not until t- the 2030s, because they're not going to win a single game in this decade, unless somehow they have this massive youth movement and the salary cap jumps up to $90 million by the end of it. Who knows? But it'll be interesting to see what they're going to do from there. I mean, if I don't know who wins this, who wins this trade, but I guess the big thing is Devin Dubnik out of San, out of Minnesota to San Jose, and you know, an end of an era because he came on after it looked like his career was down the toilet, was playing for the Hamilton Bulldogs in the American Hockey League, goes to Nashville, plays a couple good games, gets sent to Minnesota, and all of a sudden becomes a Vesna candidate for a couple of years. Was a very good goaltender. Kept pushing Minnesota in the playoffs. Kept putting him in there. Did they win? Well, unfortunately not. But he showed that he could be a top goaltender again. And yes, his career's tailed off, and it is heading to the twilight of it. But obviously, there are some great memories. I'm sure some Wild fans will have him. Just the end with most teams and most goaltenders, older goaltenders, it'll look a little sour. But all that said and good, good to see. I, I'm still I'm pulling for Staylock. Maybe that's why I want Staylock to have a, a new an opportunity to show he can be the guy in the NHL because he, I think, I think he's good enough. I really think he's good enough. So we'll just have to wait and see how that pans out for the old wild. Cause we all know how it's going to pan out for the San Jose sharks. Hey, so other bit of news before we get to my draft preview here, the Vegas golden Knights, you guys see this, the Vegas golden Knights got third jerseys. The team's been around for a couple of years, and yes, it's the new age where everyone seems like they just get you know new new sweaters all the time now. But Vegas' sweaters are interesting because remember when they were announced as the Golden Knights? Everyone's like, oh my gosh, I have bright gold sweaters and everything's going to look dumb. And then their sweaters, they got, they look pretty cool. They got the dark gray and the kind of the red trim looks kind of neat. And they got the white ones with the white gloves. Okay, that's pretty neat. Now they have officially jumped the shark. Well, I don't say they jumped the shark. But they have gotten gold sweaters. Unfortunately, I can't post the picture because A, I didn't save it. B, well, they, I, I, I don't know. if is that, is that a copyright thing? Can I do that on this show? I'm not sure. I say National Hockey League all the time. I say the team names. But then again, I don't post any of the logos and whatnot. Regardless, the, they, they're pretty interesting because this is why I was hoping Alex would be here for this because they're not awful looking, guys. They're... They're good enough that I'm not like, ugh, you know, they're, they're too much gold. Now, they kept the gray helmets and goldish gray gloves, 
So they're not awful. They're not horrible to look at. It was when, like, when Nashville went, when they had the blue, remember they, with the sweaters they have now, when they wore the blue helmets. It wasn't too much yellow. It was okay. Now I think we've just gotten accustomed to having yellow helmets and yellow gloves that were just like, okay, whatever. But Vegas is doing it right. If they do phase in the gold helmets like Nashville did, I think we'll be okay with that because if we did it at first, we're just gold, 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 gold skates. I mean, it could have been maybe a disaster just waiting to happen. But now it's like, okay, this this is something you can phase in because then think of it this way. You don't have to spend as much money on equipment, even though it's the NHL. They, they don't care about that. I mean, it's... Yes, you want to save money nowadays because obviously teams have been doing a lot of cutting because of the coronavirus pandemic and how it's affected everyone's economy, budgets, furloughing every employee known to man except for like three people. That said and done, but it's interesting to see how they're going to how they're going to look on ice because at first glance you see the Vegas Golden Knights sweaters, the white gloves, and it's like that blends in, but eventually you just get used to it. And I wonder if that's going to same thing happen with the gold sweaters. I like the idea of the gold sweaters. They do look pretty neat, but I'm interested. I mean, when they come, whenever this next season starts, I'll be, I'm not saying I'm going to buy them because they're probably 250 bucks right now on fanatics.com or shop.nhl.com. Yes. I know the website by heart. Sorry. There's a crumb on the top of my laptop. I'm not trying to block my face right now. There's something up here. That's annoying the heck out of me. Yes, dad squirrel. I know that's my thing, but so let's before we, we got one more thing here before we touch the draft picks and this is something that I was, when I first read it, I, I was incredibly confused. I have to look it back up because I lost the link somehow. Where is it? Here we go. Rick Westhead. Rick Westhead of TSN. He is a, he's a correspondent for TSN and also does stuff with CTV and whatnot. But he also does a, he's done a lot of, he does a lot of like features for TSN. He is a, Oh gosh, what's the ESPN guy's name? Help me out here. Um, Todd McShay is that his? No, that's not his name. Oh heck, I forget his name. There's a guy that works for who always always does college game at ESPN. He does like the big stories and whatever. Regardless, that's what Rick Westhead is. Great guy, great journalist, broadcast journalist, and he apparently is a contributor to the New York Times. I click his uh, Twitter thing, but that's pretty neat on him. So. This came about on October the 1st, so if I can quick do the math in my head, that would be Wednesday. No, Thursday. Thursday. It came, I, had to, I think it came up right after I did my quick shift edition of the Kula Show, my last one, right after we were celebrating Tampa's victory. And he was talking to Lisa McLeod, who is the Minister of Sport in Ontario. Minister of Sport pretty much being like the, I hate to use the word president because referring to Canada, but one of the overseen individuals of all sport, not just hockey, but like, you know, collegiate and minor sports, football, basketball, baseball, what have you. And he was talking in an interview with Lisa McLeod, Rick Westhead was, and he asked about, you know, just how the game would look because they, right now they're planning on having the regular season start in December, which by the way, as I mentioned on my last show, USHL is going to start possibly November. Harrison Watt did everything he could, but it's looking like NCAA is going to start closer to January. There's a lot of junior hockey around North America that's starting around December because it's seeming like you can pull it off. Now, obviously, numbers are starting to rise with COVID, so that is obviously remaining to be foreseen because 
now everyone's kind of double checking like, all right, maybe we shouldn't go yet. Who knows? But the topic came up of physical contact in sports. And he asked about body checking. Now, this is a whole thread, so I'm not going to try to go to each one. But the first one that caught my eye is McLeod saying, quote, the fact is that you can't have physical contact right now. We certainly will not be allowing people to be body checking at the moment. We are trying to contain a health crisis. Now, in on now in scientific terms, this is where Alex would probably defend McLeod on this one. But here's what I say. We just had the National Hockey League play for two months, COVID-free. Now, granted, yes, that was in a bubble. No one was allowed in or out without special permission and special guidance and watch over. But here's the thing. In the OHL, where these teams have, they have the resources enough, most franchises, obviously some are a little bit less, like I don't say less privileged than others, but there are your London Knights and then there are your Barry Colts. Two different ends of the spectrum here, people. Now someone from Barry is going to be like, now wait a second. Listen, I'm just kind of going off on the fact that London is the pinnacle of franchises in not just the OHL, but CHL, and Barry is not. Now, yes, are they, I'm trying to think of a pretty poor franchise. I mean, Brampton was pretty bad there towards the end. They're up in North Bay now. Regardless, you have the ability to test these players consistently. And the fact you come out and say, I cannot see people body checking, which is a part of the game. Now, we didn't mention mention this on the show, but a couple months ago, Folks around the Ontario Hockey Federation, which is the almighty power that covers all Ontario hockey, all the way from the OHL down to your little Adam level, novice level, level kids. And they were talking about how they were going to have hockey. There's going to be no contact, four on four, which a lot of beer leagues I've seen is followbardown.com. They're still playing men's league up there, but it's four on four, social distance as much as possible. You can't even touch anybody. And that's the rules. And of course, the backlash was you can't play hockey that way, can't play hockey that way. So I wonder, will the o, I mean, can the OHL even consider playing if, if the government will even not even allow them to play? I, I don't see why they would. Now, the, great, the Greater Toronto Hockey League, the GTHL, the probably the biggest youth hockey league hockey organization. In North America, and I can say that honestly, you're, I mean, kick rocks with your little Caesars, your, you know, your honey baked teams. The GTHL is probably the best minor hockey league in Canada. Now, I'd love to see everyone's take on this. I'm waiting for Cody Jansen to come texting me and be like, hey, now, but let's be honest, that's where a lot of talent comes from. John Tavares, Damkos, Taylor Hall, you have Brain Tyler. You got, of course, Connor McDavid, Jason Spezza. I think Brendan Shanahan was in it way back in the day when he was a kid. It was a different entity then, but it ended up becoming the GTHL from the stories I've, from the interviews I've heard with him. And, but I just, I wonder, in terms of the OHL, what are they going to do? Now, a couple other points from this interview that Rick Westhead was kind of to tweet out about. Um, no spectators, but that's not much of a shock for any of us, I would believe. There's, I mean, last thing you want is to have any fans, paraphrasing here, no fans without having unintended consequences. Um, McLeod said the OHL has said the USHL, 
the U.S.-based OHL teams, excuse me, will either relocate to Ontario for the season to avoid cross-border travel, or they'll remain in the U.S. and play only American-based teams, which means Saginaw, Flint, and Erie will just play each other a bunch of times, which for all of you that follow the MLS, that's what TFC, Vancouver, Montreal had to do for a little bit because they weren't allowed to cross the border. Now it's eased up. Toronto is able to play teams in the northeastern part of the MLS. So it's getting better, but in terms of the OHL, obviously they're not allowing that. And I just, I want, I, I don't listen. And people are like, well, we shouldn't have hockey at all. I, I think I get it with minor hockey. It's tough because these kids are going to school and here in West Michigan, we're having so many, you know, public school systems have to shut down and go back to online learning because of these big outbreaks of COVID-19. And I just, I, Youth hockey, I get you can't do it. But if you want to have the OHL go, you can. The resources are there. These kids, they owe, a lot of these kids that may take college classes, these the overagers, the 19-year-olds, 20-year-olds, those kids may be taking online classes. And you can obviously, we've learned that you can have high schoolers do online classing. So these 16, 17, 18-year-olds, they can be taking classes still. So that's my take on that. I'd love to hear everyone else's take on it. Make sure you use the hashtag TKS. Throw your points in the comments or whether you're watching on Facebook, Twitter, or YouTube. Let, let us know what you think. I know everyone's like, well, we got to think of health first. And I, I totally agree, but if you can have it, we're watch, I'm watching all the time now with high school football. They're allowing more and more people to come to the games and such. Well, yes, event, yes, there is. And people are saying, oh, there's going to be a second wave. This is the second wave. We are in the middle of it. The numbers are going up, especially in Ontario. This is why it's such a big story about the body checking because of the fact that the numbers, I think they've hit, what, if they had 1,000 new cases last week, if I'm not mistaken, in Ontario alone. I, I'm, I may be wrong on that number for just last week, but the number is starting to go up. It's starting to go up here in Michigan. It's starting to go up New York. The president has it. That's a whole different story, but I'm just saying, guys, this is the world we're going to live in. We're either going to take the chance or we're just going to shut everything down again. What's it going to be? And yeah, I know for a fact these people say, well, we should, we should focus on health and you know, not sports. As soon as we close everything down again, it's, they're going to be like, well, why is everything closed again? Listen, it's just how, that, that's the world we live in, guys. We're either going to have to try to push through it or we're just going to backtrack. That's, I, I don't know what else. I don't know what's, there's no good way to go about this. This is never something, something we've never experienced before in our lives. So uh, I'm interested to see what the OHL wants to do. Cause obviously the Quebec league is going to move forward with it. WHL, as far as I know, I'm pretty sure they're going to play. I don't know what to what standard, but they are going to go, they're going to play, but how are they going to play? What rules are going to be in place? What sanctions are going to be in place? That all remains to be foreseen. So, anyways, whew, I almost—I think I'm—I'm I'm starting to calm down now, which is good. Then again, all my all my words are are they're starting to come back and they're starting to make sense, which is which is a real good thing. So now, let's get to let's get to the National Hockey League. Let's get to the National Hockey League draft. Let's start talking about the stars of tomorrow, today. See what I did there? It was one of those really annoying little suburbs or 
sayings or bumper sticker things. So let's, what we're going to do, we're going to go one through 10. So starting with the first overall pick, the New York Rangers, going down to the 10th pick, which is the Winnipeg, the Minnesota Wild. No, Winnipeg Jets. Holy cow. That's bad writing there, Tyler. Minnesota Wild's nine, Winnipeg Jets are 10. I wrote Minnesota Wild and I wrote Winnipeg Wild. And I'm pretty sure there are fans on both sides there that are saying, that'll never happen. I'm just saying, folks, way back in the day, the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Philadelphia Eagles had to play as a team once, and it happened. For all of you NFL fans out there, by the way, Tom Brady won yesterday. Draft preview. So, first of all, I must give a good shout. You're out here, if you're here on YouTube, if you feel like pausing, if you're watching the replay, don't pause if you're live. Don't do that. Wait till after the show. But if you're watching on the replay here, you go ahead and pause. So when I talk about these prospects, you can watch these guys. Go to Draft Dynasty here on YouTube. This guy is outstanding. He takes each big-name prospect. Actually, takes up not just any big name, but a lot of the guys that you'll see in the second and third rounds and fourth rounds and does these skill analysis and game analysis of all these guys. Breaks down their, po- their pros, their cons, what their strengths are, what their weaknesses are. All these guys. And, you know, I've been following a lot of these guys throughout the season, you know, especially the bigger names. But I was and a couple of the guys. I was like, "Huh, what makes this guy special?" And I clicked his videos, and he—I mean, they're a little bit longer videos, but he gives such an in-depth analysis on each of these players. You definitely want to check him out, especially if your team drafts a guy. You want to know something about him before you tweet, "Who is this guy?" Go to Draft Dynasty on YouTube and make sure you can follow him, and you can be like, "Hey, this guy makes sense because this player, hey, this draft pick makes sense because according to Draft Dynasty, hey, look at this—he's got." Good ability. He's got plays well in his defensive zone, breaks the puck out well, gets the puck in deep, works hard in front of the net. If he's a goaltender, he's he stops the puck. And don't worry, Randall, I'll get to your question later. I know I know your question is it's in the bank. We have a few questions. Hashtag ask TKS this week, courtesy of not just Rando, World Hockey Report, and a couple others as well. Be sure to get into all of those. Make sure I got them all lined up here. Anyways, so first overall pick. Went to the New York Rangers. They won the draft lottery, the phase two of draft lottery. <sighs> you know, I thought about doing the dumb thing of, oh, here's who they're going to... It's going to be a, you know, a surprise pick. It's Alexi Lafreniere, guys. Left-handed winger from Ramuski. He is the... Excuse me, I almost had a burp. He was the 2018 CHL and Quebec Major Junior Hockey League Rookie of the Year. The 2018-19 and 29... Tw- or 2019-20... CHL Player of the Year and one winner of the Michelle Briere Trophy Memorial Trophy for QMJHL MVP. He is the second player to ever win the QMJHL MVP and the CHL Player of the Year award. I bet you guys couldn't guess who was the other one. I'm sure my dad's listening right now and he's going to probably hear what I'm going to say. He's not going to like it. Another player from the Ramuski Oceanic, Sidney Crosby. The 04 and 05 CHL Player of the Year and QMJHL MVP. The only player to ever do it before Alexi Lafreniere. Guys, he is legit. I know everyone's like, there was a little bit of a time there at the beginning of this season, last fall in 2019, which is a year ago now. Like, oh, this Byfield guy, he's pretty good. He's got size, left hand. Lafreniere is good, but he plays in the Quebec League. And then we all watched the World Junior Championships this year. We said, Lafreniere, that guy's ready to go. He was the World Junior Tournament MVP. Most points, if I'm not mistaken. One gold with Canada. 
I know he didn't score the big goal. That was for Akil Thomas, which was still one of the sickest goals I've ever seen in that tournament. But Lafreniere just looks ready. He tears it up in the league. In three seasons, he's put up 114 goals, 183 assists for 297 points. He's put up over, over, not just 100 points, over 100 points in the last two seasons each. First season, he only put up like 80 some odd points. Oh my gosh, that's awful, right? He is dynamic. He's fast. He's got hands. And here's the thing. Here's something we learned about him in the World Junior Tournament, guys. He can hit. He's willing to hit. He's not just a guy, a skilled guy that dangles around people, tries to avoid check, doesn't go in the dirty areas. He's willing to chip that puck in the corner and go balls to the wall in there and run him through the boards. Now, legally, obviously, but he's willing to go play physical and play tough when he needs to. And don't forget, that was with open international ice he did that. And he does it with Ramuski this year. I'm just saying, guys, the Rangers are going to be dangerous. We'll get to their goaltender that they got rid of a while ago, but look at the guys they have. They got Capocacco. They have a good solid decor. They got Zibanejab up front. They still have capable offense, and they're going to get Alexi Lafreniere, who is seemingly all ready for the NHL. Oh, boy. The Rangers, man. It's going to be like the 90s all over again. The Rangers will be good, and everyone's going to be happy. The NHL will be good because New York is good again. My number two pick, the Los Angeles Kings. Now, this one, now, Alexi Lafreniere seems to be a shoe-in for everyone. Here's the kicker with the second and the third pick, which is the Ottawa Senators. There's two guys that everyone's looking at to be one of the two picks. And there's a lot of people that are picking one for the other, one for that. And I'm going to stay with the trend because they are the next two best players in this draft. Once you get to past five to th- five through ten, there's a lot of, you know, kind of like juggling to see who goes where. But it's between Tim Stutzel and Quentin Byfield. However, I think my pick, the LA Kings are going to get, they're going to get Tim Stutzel. And this is where I think, because I feel like, I'm not saying he's ready now. And I, and I don't think the LA Kings want him to be ready now. The LA Kings aren't ready for him to be there, for the, him to actually really progress into a solid NHLer yet. You can now, yes, Leon Dreisaitl was there for a bad year with the Oilers, and we understand that. Yeah, of course, you want him to learn what it's like to lose, and because if he if he wins all the time, then he gets spoiled. But the LA Kings aren't ready for that yet. You can keep him. He plays in Mannheim with the DEL, which is where Mo Sider was. Which for a while, everyone thought, ah, Tim Stutzel will fall back to the Red Wings. He'll fall back to four. People keep looking at this guy and we're like, you know, if he if there was no guy named Lafreniere, Tim Stutzel may be the number one pick. He would have been probably the first overall pick, the first German to ever be picked first in the NHL draft. He had 34 points in his first season with Mannheim, which I know 34 points, that's not a lot, but they don't play as many games, guys. And with bigger ice, the German league is a lot tougher. I think all those leagues are. Point scoring in Russia, Germany, Switzerland, what have you, Sweden, Finland, though it's, it's, if you put up like 80 points in that league, you are a superstar and because you're, you're playing a mixture of young kids that are making their way up through the junior ranks and established pro players that go over from North America and go play in the DEL, in the Swedish League, 
in Liga in Finland because, yeah, they're not going to be good enough to make it to the NHL. And they want to get paid and play in the biggest league in the country. So they go to the Dell, they go to Switzerland, and they'll really show up. So when these kids, like good old young little Tim Stutzel here, has put up 34 points, seven goals, 27 assists in his first season, which earned him Rookie of the Year honors, that gains a lot of notoriety. And he w- and if he does get picked second, he would be the highest-picked German player in NHL draft history. Let me see where Leon Dreisaitl was drafted because he was the highest uh, draft. Here we go. 2014, he was drafted, drafted fourth. So if he goes two or three, he's the highest-picked. So it's pretty much set in stone there. Some people think he's going to be picked third and because Quentin Byfield may be better. I don't think so. And here's why I'm and people are, people are going to hear this like, Oh, you want Quentin Byfield to stay in Ontario? No, that's not the case. I just think Tim Stutzel can be good for the Kings because the Kings know they're not going to be good yet. You can let him play another year in the German league and he can make the jump the next year. Come on over when times are a little bit more fair. Cause he'll start the DEL. I'm not mistaken is starting on time. They're starting on time out there. A lot of the European leagues are. KHL, I know, has started. And he can play a full season out there and then come back to North America next season for the 2021-2022 season and be able to get a full slate of NHL games in him. And then LA can start to build back up. Now, obviously, they need a goaltender for that, but that's different t- story for a different day. So I think that's why Stutz will be a great fit in LA. Why Quentin Byfield's a good fit at three for Ottawa that team is going to be terrified. Ottawa is building this team to literally be the Ottawa Senators from the late 90, like 99, early 2000s Ottawa Senators. The Spezza, Heatley, Alfredson, Chara, Patrick Aleem, but not game seven of 2004, Patrick Aleem. They have seen a goaltender for that first, but when I look who they have. They got Brady Kachuk, Hot Sam Bacho, Thomas Shabbat. They are, I mean, they have so much young talent up there now in Ottawa. Adding Quentin Byfield, a guy that's ready for the NHL now, because don't forget, he was, I think it was like a month off from where he could have been drafted last year. He's more physically developed. He's terrorizing everyone. He made Sudbury a contender if they had had a playoff. Guys, I remember I watched him the year before in 1819 when they had Yuka Pekalokinen as their goaltender in Sudbury. That team was pretty good. That was with Byfield as a rookie. Byfield, in two seasons, has put up 143 points, 61 goals, was the 2019 OHL Rookie of the Year. He won gold with Team Canada. Now, this is where the separation became because Byfield did not play a whole lot for Team Canada in that tournament, whereas Lafreniere is like, you're the superstar. But still, he would have played a big role no matter what part of the lineup he was in. He is size and skill toughness, good shot. He is ready. Now, I don't know if he'll make the jump once again because, A, the o- I mean, the OHL does start earlier, so if he wanted to, he could start in the OHL, make the jump to the NHL whenever the league starts up if he wants to. Now, once again, shortened schedule. Why would you? Give him a year of development? Why not? What you going to lose? Knock on wood, because I say that because something could happen now. But that's why I like Quentin Byfield going to the Ottawa Senators. Number four. Dad, you paying attention here? Number four. I have to say dad because he's a Wings fan. The Detroit Red Wings. The fourth overall pick. Now, I like to say history likes to repeat itself. Heck, I did it with Tampa. 
They won 62 games last year. Lewis lost in the playoffs. They win the cup the next year. The Red Wings, 96. They only win 62 games. They lose. They win the next year. Steve Eiserman, where was he drafted, everybody, in the 1983 entry draft? He was the fourth overall pick. Because for some reason, someone said, hey, Tom Barrasso and Patty LaFontaine are better. Those GMs are fired. Jim Devolano's a legend now because he drafted Steve Eiserman. And that's why Steve Eiserman's going to pick a guy that's going to just seemingly work out. But everyone's like, oh, yeah, there's Jamie Drysdale on defense. He's going to be a top guy. Oh, yeah, there's Jake Sanderson from the National Development Team. He's going to be a top guy after he goes to college. But I say no. There's a guy. Remember, if you guys remember the episode, we talked with Steven Ellis of the Hockey News. And he agrees with me on this one, too, because he said it on the show, if you guys remember. If you go up is it on a seven, I-75, or if you go up Highway 10 that connects to I-75 in Michigan, you head up to a little town called Saginaw, Saginaw Spirit. And they have a guy who's named Cole Perfetti. Cole Perfetti's my pick to go number four to the Detroit Red Wings. He finished second in scoring this past season. And don't forget, this was a shorter season in the OHL, 111 points with the Saginaw Spirit, a team that's seemingly on the rise. And 185 points in the two seasons, 74 goals, 111 assists. He actually led the Saginaw Spirit in scoring as a rookie. When Quentin Byfield got the rookie of the year, Cole Perfetti, I believe, was second in voting. And that was a team that bought at the trade deadline. They got Owen Tippett to come over from Mississauga. This team was going to be a real good contender going into the playoffs. But they were being led by this kid named Perfetti. And I just kept watching him like, this kid's got something here. He's a left-handed center, so he's not special with the left-handed or right-handed, but very dynamic, good playmaker, can finish scoring, sees the ice really well. He wears 91 and is left-handed. They haven't retired his number yet, guys, but Stevie's like, he may not be Fedorov, but shoot, he looks like it. I mean, he's he's got the skill. He can play speed, hands, finish, he has it. I'm not saying, once again, I swear maybe half of these guys that are picked in the top 10, maybe half play in the NHL next year. I'll be better. I'll say maybe three of them. Lafreniere, Byfield, maybe. Perfetti, maybe. Now, the next five guys, I don't think they will. But Ottawa's got their second pick in the top five, which this is actually their pick. Remember, the third pick is actually San Jose that they got when they traded Mike Hoffman. Right? Yeah. I forget, it was the Mike Hoffman trade that Eric Carlson. Regardless, one of the picks from San Jose, San Jose was three, Ottawa got it because of the trade. Now this is Ottawa's pick, pick five. Marco Rossi, another left-handed center, he'll go number five to Ottawa. He was actually the guy that led the OHL in scoring last year. 120 points, scored 68 goals and 117 assists in his first two seasons with the Ottawa 67s, was named OHL's most outstanding player last year, CHL's top score award, slick hands, once again, a good shot, and he's really good at just finding holes in the ice. Now, Ottawa's been a really good team for the last few years, so there's been a lot of tools to use. So with that, you can kind of find space when the other team's looking, oh, this guy's got the puck, let's watch him, because there's another guy from Ottawa that we'll get to later on in this top 10, actually, because there's a lot of great players from the 6 sevens coming up here. And Marco Rossi, though, he's just seemingly very dynamic. He's very comfortable with the puck. And he can show that he can create. And he's not a bad defensive player, too. I mean, I mean, with a lot of centers coming out of junior hockey, it's offense, offense, offense. 
hopefully the goaltender makes a save because that's where the plus minus numbers really come in for at least the forwards. And that's something he can develop over time. I don't, like I said, Rossi, he may not go up to Ottawa. He may not go up to, excuse me, not, he may not go over to Kanata and play with the Senators next year. He may stay in Ottawa, Ottawa, at the Civic Center, play with the 67s for another year and develop a little bit more, really work on his defensive game because I believe that's something that the Senators are really going to need because you're going to have Byfield, center, Rossi, center. Let me make sure that, I'm just going to quick make sure that Byfield is a center. Yes, he is a center. So, you'll have, so you're getting two centers. And the one thing is, like I talked about last, I think it was last Thursday with Harrison, getting, building a team with centers and then putting them on the wings if you need to. It's Team Canada's strategy, almost every single national team they've ever built. So if you can get up, if you can load up on centers, but just kind of plank them off into the wings or whatever, whenever you need them, that's not a bad way to build if you're Pierre Dorian and the Ottawa Senators. So that's why I believe Marco Rossi will be number five pick of this year's NHL draft. Number six, Anaheim Ducks. You know, I'm pretty sure Anaheim fans, if they're still out there, if they're, I mean, usually those California teams, there's only a lot of fans when they're playing well. Sorry, Kings. Sorry, Ducks. Actually, the Sharks, I, the Sharks still pull a lot because it's one of the couple major sports teams they have there in the Bay Area. But Anaheim, they're in a weird spot. There was a lot of hope last year that, hey, maybe they'll be more competitive this year. They still have John Gibson, and yeah, Getzloff's in the twilight, and they lost Corey Perry, but they still got Cam Fowler and a couple guys that can still play. Raquel seems like a kind of a guy that can lead the team in offense, and then Adam Henrique is still their veteran presence, and they still tanked and fell towards the bottom of the Pacific. Not the ocean, the division. Even though they turned right, they're in the ocean, and that's pretty much the same spot. So with that, I really think they need to build from the defense to forwards. And that's where you're going to see a guy like Jamie Drysdale. He's ranked actually fourth in the North American Central Scouting Rankings by the NHL Scouts and a very dynamic player. He was such a he was a huge part of the World Junior Championship team this past year with Team Canada. He's a very I and I listened because I was watching him once again. I'm like and I don't know if it's because he's right-handed and he's not the biggest guy, but he's very similar to me to Tyson Berry. He skates well. He handles the puck well. Right-handed. Seems very comfortable. If he's pressured, he doesn't make a bad, doesn't often make a bad decision with the puck. And, you know, and that translates to his statistics. He's had 87 points in his two seasons with the Erie Otters, 16 goals, 71 assists, He's never really led defenseman in scoring, never been the biggest plus-minus guy either, but he that can develop. His defensive game will come along. Give him another year in junior, and Anaheim is a team that you're going to go through some growing pains, so hey, why not, why not, not say throw him to the Wolves, but ease him into the lineup when he does make that jump to the Ducks and just be like, all right, here we go. Let's push him in and put him in some uncomfortable positions, put him some... You know, some defensive zone face-offs against the top lines. And yeah, you want to be competitive with some hockey games, but that kid needs to learn. You know, we got to put him through the ringer. And I feel like if you do that, he can develop more because you're going to want him to be an excellent two-way. Yes, you want a guy that can produce on the power play and create offensive opportunities, which Drysdale does. But if you don't develop his game defensively, like Tyson Berry, you become a one-dimensional defenseman. And if you're one-dimensional the wrong way, you're not worth much in the defenseman. That's why we get Tyson Berry later on with our free agency madness. 
Number seven is where Jake Sanderson's going to come in. New Jersey Devils have that pick, and there's a lot of people that are picking Jake Sanderson to go closer to the top five. I don't think so, and I think a lot of people learned last year that drafting Jack Hughes, the New Jersey Devils, and bring him to the NHL is kind of a dumb move. But I believe Sanderson is going to fall back a little bit, and that's where the Devils will take him because they need to start building up defensemen. They need to start growing them. And Sanderson, who is, by the way, a North Dakota commit, that is a guy you can let get you know become more of a man in college. That's why guys that go up to college, they can go right from the college rank to the NHL because at that point, they're 23, 24 years old and ready to compete against men in the NHL. That's why if you're coming out in juniors at 18, you have to be outstanding. You have to be exceptional. That's why Lexi Lafreniere, I believe, is ready for that. But a guy like Jake Sanderson, not there yet. But he's got a good size, got a good shot from the point. He uses his speed to jump up into the rush. He's not afraid to move his feet. Defense game, it's, it's very solid. He's good at words, Tyler. I froze for a second. He's good at gap control on the rush. Two on twos, three on twos. He knows where to sit in his position. He's not overly aggressive, but he's not afraid to angle him off into the boards. He's not too ferocious. Don't forget, he's playing U18 level hockey. He's playing USHL level hockey. And you're able to kind of develop that. And I think this opportunity to go play North Dakota, a very high prestigious program in the NCAA, whenever they start, of course, he has the ability to use that, use his size and whatnot to really develop into a caliber defenseman that'll be ready for the Devils when he's ready to come up, whether it be in two years, three years, four years. Now, with his caliber and with his high level and his. I guess the word the word I should be using here is potential. You may see him in a couple of years. I don't think this is a guy that's going to go through the minor league system. This would be a guy who comes out of college. He's making that move to the National Hockey League. And that's why I think the Devils will take him. They realized last year, hey, made a bad move with Hughes. Bad move with Hughes. Is that right? I guess it kind of rhymes. But they're going to let Sanderson develop, similar to how guys like Cole Caulfield went to Wisconsin. He'll develop up there, and he'll be ready when he goes to Montreal. Sanderson, very similar, very similar indeed. Buffalo Sabres at number eight. I'm going to run through here. We've got a couple more to go. Buffalo Sabres, Braden Schneider is the guy I think they're going to go with. Braden Schneider, he's a guy that's physical. This is a WHL player. Played for the Brandon Wheat Kings. Plays for the Brandon Wheat Kings, excuse me. 88 points in three seasons. Yeah, he's not the biggest scoring guy, but he's tough. Fights hits, has size to him. I think, I believe he's six foot two. I'm not quite sure if he's near 200. I think he's 190 pounds, pretty close to that. He is a, he's not quite a man, but he is strong against the rush. He's very tough. In front of the net, he clears the out for the goaltenders. He's a guy that's going to be in a year or two, could be a very formidable force. Because here's the thing too. He does put up some points, can create offensive opportunities, but he's a right-handed defenseman. And I always talk about on this program of how important that is to have a a good, high-caliber right-handed defenseman that can play in their own zone and go on the other end and not you know, look like he doesn't know what he's doing. Braden Schneider has that ability, and that's what Buffalo is going to pick because Buffalo has a good right-handed defense right now in Ristolainen, but 
he's been on that maybe block for so long if, if he stays, if he goes or whatever. So they'll need to fill that hole or they just want to add to that side of the defense blue line for the Buffalo Sabres. Number nine is the Minnesota Wild. And I think they're going to go with a guy by the name of Jack Quinn, the other gentleman from the Ottawa 67s. But this seems like a very, very OHL draft. Yes, because there's a lot of talent coming out of the OHL this year. Jack Quinn. The reason why Bill Guerin, hey, we couldn't get Quinn Hughes a couple years ago. We couldn't get Jack Hughes last year. Let's just get their first names and put them together. Jack Quinn. Hey, thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. And, man, this he is a guy that Cole Edit. What, what? The kid can play. Oh, Cole Edit. Yes, Cole Caulfield. Yes, Dad. Thank you. I was looking at the chat. So I'm like, Cole Edit? Okay. Yes, Cole Caulfield. The kid can play. Wisconsin boy. Playing for playing Bob Johnson's old backyard. Mark Johnson's as well. But Jack Quinn, 122 points in two seasons with the 67s, plus 48, plus minus last year. As a winger, typically centers will have the better plus minus, and obviously it's very important for defensemen. And yes, he does score a lot, so it does help the plus minus, but he's not bad defensively either for a winger. He can play both power play and penalty kill. Doesn't do a whole lot in the penalty kill, but he can play if he ever needs to. His plus 48 was tied for sixth in the Ontario Hockey League last season. Smooth skater, not as a probably hard shot, but it's accurate, and he's able to create opportunities. He's kind of like, I don't say like a Mitch Marner type player, but he's able to create scoring opportunities, and he's got hands that make uh, they can get him into the areas where he can create opportunities and fake out goaltenders, fake out defensemen. Big playmaker type guy. He's only scored, let's say, I said 64 goals, 58 assists. He has finish but he has playmaking abilities as well. The last pick of the top 10 goes to the Winnipeg Jets. And I know, like I said, it's been a lot of OHL. Hasn't been a whole lot of European talent, except for Tim Stutzel. Except this is where it's going to go to Alexander Holtz, Winnipeg. Winnipeg, I just Kevin Sheveldayoff, for some reason, I just think he wants to get a guy like Alexander Holtz. He was one of the best player, best rookies last year in the Swedish Elite League. Only 17 points, like I said, guys. It's weird how the European stats are, but we saw him on the grand stage in the World Junior Championships. Three goals, two assists, five points in seven games. Bronze medal winner with Team Sweden. Has scored 30 goals in 18-19 with Jurgen's under-20 team, the Super Elite League, which is the junior league, if you will, to the SHL in Sweden. Not super big, but he's stocky. He's over 200 pounds, I believe is the way he weighed in at. Six foot. He's not huge in stature, but he's thick. He's strong. He's got a really quick release. It's kind of similar to a... I don't want to make too many comparisons here, but he's got like a Marty Furt kind of snapshot, from, at least from someone that I've faced. He not quite Ovechkin quick because he doesn't need to take one-timers, but it's a good hard wrist. Maybe like a Patrick Line. I know it's Finland versus Sweden, but he's kind of got that quick release on him. He is right-handed. And, you know, I think that's why Winnipeg will fit him in. Once again, another kid you can develop for a couple of years overseas and have him come back over to Winnipeg and see where you got from there. A lot of people are picking him outside the top 10. They're going to, they're picking guys, at least from Europe, they're thinking guys that are going to jump up like Lucas Raymond, Anton Lindell. I think Holtz, I mean, he is listed number two in the European rankings, but I think he'll jump in there to the top 10. Now, one of our many questions we have today and hashtag AskTKS comes from World Hockey Report, and he asks, who is the first goaltender in the NHL draft this year? And let me make sure, or no, excuse me. His question is, where do you see Askarov getting drafted? 
which will be the first goaltender in the NHL getting drafted. And, you know, for me, because I know there, because when we talked to Harrison on Thursday, he had the idea that he trade that pick, fall back, and get Askarov later on, because Askarov is not going to go high in this draft. I'm not sure if we'll ever see another top 10 goaltender in the NHL for a long time. And because I don't see any of these teams needing a goaltender. Well, pardon me. I know Buffalo needs a goaltender, but why would they waste a pick to get a goaltender? Why would they waste all these top prospects? Why would LA, who does need a goaltender, get a goaltender at number two when you get Tim Stutzel? There's many reasons why we won't see anymore. A, Rick DiPietro is an absolute bust, and it's, it's, a diamond in, it's a diamond in the rough. Goaltenders take so long to develop. That's why, even though I thought, last year I thought Pierre Kachekov was going to go top 10. I thought, this guy's ready to go. Detroit's going to take him. He's going to be the next big goaltender. And he went second or third round. I don't know if Yaroslav Askarov, who is now playing with the SK St. Petersburg, played in the MHL, which is the Russian two league for the past couple of seasons, made the jump to the A league up there in Russia this year. (sighs) He... I remember watching him in the World Juniors. It's tough to watch a lot of the Europeans sometimes unless you have bootleg. I got I to gotta get with Rachel and Janae Anderson from Access Hockey MI and ask them where they get their streams from. But watching Askarov, A, he catches with the wrong hand. He catches with the right hand, which is not right. It's wrong. Even though it is the right hand, it's wrong. He, he's very athletic, very aggressive, though. He likes to really challenge shooters when he doesn't need to. A little bit of inexperience. Through his first three games, though, he's not too bad. He's he's got a two and one record, a point nine seven four save percentage. He's looked good in the couple games he's played for SK St. Petersburg, but I take that with a grain of salt, folks, because that team is one of the best in the KHL, and where it's it's very like junior hockey in Russia, where there's CSKA, Moscow Dynamo, SK St. Petersburg, and then just massive drop off because those teams have money and they don't really have a salary cap in Russia because the mafia. But I think Askarov will go. Someone picked, I, I forgot who, but someone picked him at number 11 with Nashville. I don't know if that was Craig Button or who it was, but someone picked him really high. I don't see him going to the second round, but Detroit's got that first pick in the second round. Because I think once you get to pass like 15, I don't think any of those teams need goaltenders anymore. At least they wouldn't waste a first round pick on it. If Askarov, though, makes it through that first round in Detroit, who has the first pick in round two, you may see Askarov go to the wings on there. And I think that's where he's going to like, because I don't, like I said, I just don't see a goaltender going in the first round this year. Askarov is a very good goaltender, and he's the best going into this year's draft. You know, Nico Dawes is really good. He's really capable goaltender coming out of Guelph, but I just don't think he's that good. And that's why I think Askarov will be the first. Askarov going second round, First pick, the 32nd pick in the NHL draft to the Detroit Red Wings. Dad, you are welcome. Oh, Cole Sag. Yes. The, oh, sorry, now I just read Dad's Cole from Saginaw. Cole, everyone. Yes, you're just thinking Cole from Saginaw because I said Cole's going to go to the Red Wings. Yes, he's really good, I think. Cole Perfetti's going to go to the Wings, as will Yaroslav Askarov. And those at, wow, well, a little bit over this time on my, on my pick. See, that's why I don't have to worry about time with these. I just, you know, I can choose to do my own commercials. I try to set it for seven o'clock, but got a little too in depth with the picks, which I guess, you know, that's the point, right? So we're going to take a quick break here on the QL show. When we come back, we'll talk about some buyouts, some trades, you know, not our trades, but we'll be talking about all sorts of stuff here and we'll eventually get to free agency. That'll be later on in the show, but we will take a quick break here, folks. When we come back, 
We'll probably talk about Henrik Lundqvist getting bought out and a couple of other guys. You are watching The Kewl Show here on 12 Ounce Sports. We'll be right back after this. And welcome back, everyone, to The Kewl Show here on 12 Ounce Sports here on this Monday, October the 5th, 24 hours from the first round of the NHL draft. They just finished up my top 10. And if you ever want to check that out, be sure to check out the replay tomorrow because unfortunately we just can't go back in time here on TKS. I'm just unfortunately just not that skilled at this sort of thing. But we talked about the draft, talked about OHL, talked about some Vegas Golden Knights in their gold sweaters. Be sure to check all that out if you guys want. Uh, you know, we got some stuff here. So let's move along here on this episode of TKS. And ooh, Good boy, Harrison Watt coming in here. Harrison Watt saying this first time he's ever playing, or it's been a long time since he's played mini sticks in his life. Wonder if he can still withstand the rug burn. I say pants, long pants. He said there should be an annual TKS tournament. Hmm. If it's anything like when I used to play mini sticks when I was a kid, like when we were like eight or nine years old, that stuff used to get rough and bad. My brother got his head cracked open once because he fell into the wall. Like that stuff can get dangerous in hotel hallways. Let alone the fact that when it's going to be men playing mini sticks, grown men trying to check each other. Like, because we think, you know, when you're a kid, you're invincible, right? You just hit each other on the wall, you get back up. If you, you know, twist your ankle, break your wrist, you're fine. You'll be fine in two days. Us older people, we're, we're more fragile. I say we're more fragile, but if we get hurt, we get hurt for a long time. <laughs> so, Harrison, if you're watching, I can tell you right now, this, this, uh, it, it, it may not be the best idea, but, uh, We'll think about it. Let's get to one of our Ask TKS questions here to start off. This coming from the Rando, the guy with the awesome RIP Fraser hockey shirts because we can't say Motor City Rockers. Uh, he asks, and let me make sure I quote this question correctly here. Let me just let me just uh, zoom in here. He asks, where is it? Wes, why does being a Preds fan make me want to die? Well, you know, Rando, at least the Predators will be around this season, uh, not like the Motor City Rockers, because I can say it. No one's going to come after me, Rando, unless you clip this thing and send it to the league, because then, uh, well, if the Fed comes after me, I can just say, well, I'm going to lawyer. Uh, no, I'm not gonna, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. Not going to do that to the Fed like that. But he asked, why does make Preds fan make me want to die? Let me tell you this. As a person who cheers for the Toronto Maple Leafs, Rando, your team went to the finals a couple of years ago. Shut up! <laughs> we haven't won anything here in Toronto. Well, I say here in Toronto. I, we haven't won anything as, with the Leafs since 1967. We haven't made it past the first round since 2004. Haven't been to the old conference finals in 2002. They haven't been to the Stanley Cup finals since they won it last. So don't tell me what makes be a Preds fan makes you want to die. You should be happy that your team actually has something. It has a fan base that's just happy to go to the games. We're like, woo, we're the Predators. Woo, we're fans. Woo, you're loud. It's a gosh darn church when you go to Scotiabank Arena on Tuesday night. Everyone's quiet. Like, oh, my gosh, we're going to lose again. It's going to happen all over again. Oh, my gosh, Game 7 happens every year. Don't do that to me, Rando. Don't you tell me what makes you want to die. I'm a Leafs fan. It's not much better. Because here's the difference. We're paying $50 billion for four players. You guys, yes, you guys have contract issues yourselves. But that's the thing, though, is you guys actually made it in the last decade. So by so 2027, you can complain again if the Predators don't come back around. So I will tell, I'll give you that, Rando. If they are not good by 2027, you can be mad. But until then... 
I don't want to hear any of your sass, any of your pity. No, you're not getting pity from me. You may get pity from Alex if he were here, but not me. Because, you know, I'm a Lays fan. We, we, don't, we don't win a lot. And, I mean, shoot, the Jays did better than the Leafs, and they were barely above 500. Now, they got smacked around by Tampa in the playoffs, which no one thought Tampa was going to be good this year. But baseball, baseball. So I will say this, Rando, to answer your question, um, I don't know what makes you want to die as a Preds fan because you won things in the last year or last decade. It's okay. Predators will be bad for a couple of years, but, you know, they're going to develop. And I think, you know, UC Saros, if he starts to get more playing time, because let's be honest, Pecorine is on his way out, get Saros more games, and he'll start to develop in a number one goaltender. You start, you know, if you're if you're the GM right now, you're just going to start pushing guys out and, like, get the old guys out, start bringing the young kids up. If Philip Forsberg starts to come back around, Victor Arvidsson steps up and plays a bigger role. If if Roman Yossi is your leading scorer, no offense to Roman Yossi, who's the Norris Trophy winner this year, that's a problem. So if they can just get the offense back, I think, of you know, this odd season made everything just a little bit weird. I feel like they'll start to come back around in good three to four years to be in a contender again if they retool they don't need to they don't need to do a rebuild they don't need to tear everything apart just retool put some new faces in there and maybe pick up some guys here in free agency and you'll be back to being a competitive hockey team so no it doesn't make you want to die you're fine rando gosh rando talking Myers to the rando coming up at 8 30 here on 12 ounce sports so let's get to some other news so we'll talk about a couple of buyouts here first Michael Grabner, Arizona Coyotes bought him out a couple days ago. Michael Grabner, a very fast player, always seems to get breakaways because he just, A, knows where to be, and B, he is fast. I don't know where he would stand in a fastest skater competition, but he just has that quick step. He always has had it, and you know maybe he's just getting to the, the elder age of his career that he can't do it anymore on a consistent basis. So bummer for him. I'm sure he's going to be looked at sometime this Friday as a free agent. Jack Johnson getting bought out today by the Pittsburgh Penguins. Jack Johnson, a guy that when he left excuse me, left Columbus, I have to remember he went to Columbus after Los Angeles, was just seemingly on the fritz of being, is he an NHL defenseman? Went over to Pittsburgh and you know started to play okay, but has not been the same Jack Johnson we saw early in his career in Los Angeles. He gets bought out by, by Jimmy Rutherford, so he's available. I don't think he's going to make squat wherever he goes, but we must mention the Big kahuna of buyouts this past week, and that being Henrik Lundqvist. The New York Rangers bought out the last season of Henrik Lundqvist's contract, and man, he I he tweeted out that he still wants to continue to play, and that is what hurts the most because I don't want him to play for anyone else. He's not going to go to a Stanley Cup contender. No one's going to pay him a team that has a chance, no one's going to pay him to be a starting goaltender. I think Henrik needs to realize that. I, and he's a guy that, he's a, I don't want to say he's a Mike Richter, but Mike Richter towards the end of his career started to really tail off. But I look at him and I say, that guy should, he stayed in New York and he ended it in New York. He realized, you know what? Things are starting to go down and down the hill a little bit. Let's, let's call it a day. And he stayed with the Rangers. Hank, I believe, despite having a decent playoff series against Carolina, he really needs to realize that his career has been on the downside for a few years now. It's time. It's time to go. It's time to hang him up. 
because I just, I just don't want him to go anywhere else. I don't want him to sign with Dallas because if Anton Hudobin goes somewhere else, I don't want to see him sign with a team that's going to play him and then he's just not the same Henrik Lundqvist. He's a shell of what he was in New York. He was a shell of what he was this season. That's what I want. I don't want to see that happen. So I hope that he realizes that he just he just needs to just don't he he's I don't want him to play anywhere. I don't want him to. He's gonna sign somewhere and it's gonna look completely stupid. It's gonna look like Grant Fuhr in a Calgary Flames uniform. That did happen. Look it up, folks. It's kind of terrifying to look at, but it's a bummer. It's a bummer that's gonna happen. And I just I think he should end his career on his good terms. He's ninth all time in wins. Four hundred fifty five. Blah blah blah. Words, enunciate, bleh, 459 wins in 887 games. One of the best goaltenders, if I'm not mistaken, he has the most wins all time as a Ranger. Once a Ranger, always a Ranger. Henrik Lundqvist, King Henrik. The King should hang up his crown and call it a day. Pass it down to someone else. Because obviously with the Rangers, there was there was already talks about it. Igor Shosturkin and... Alexander Georgiev, I almost had, I had another brain fart there. I'm like, who is the other goaltender? The one that always beats the Leafs, Georgiev. So, I mean, yeah, those are your two goaltenders now with the Rangers. And I, if they can develop, and like I said, they get Alexi Lafreniere, team could be something next year, guys. Just watch out. Get to some contract extensions now. Because it seemed like everyone, like a bunch of goaltenders side to sign last week, but we'll get to those in a second. Jason Spezza re-signing with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Another minimum wage contract, which shocked me because I thought he was going to be at least making closer to a million this year. But Kyle Dubas must say, I'm like, hey, all right, Jason, you know we signed Marner to a lot. You know we signed Matthews and Tavares to a lot. You still want to play? Yep. Well, we can only offer you this. It's fine. I'm still riding off my $7 million contract I had when I was in Dallas. So I'm pretty sure Spets is well off. So he makes minimum wage next season. Justin Braun resigns with Philadelphia. Two years at 1.8 AAV, so $3.6 million for the next two seasons. Philadelphia line up their blue line, kind of solidifying that a little bit. Carson Soucy, a little bit of an interesting one here. Wasn't sure what kind of deal he was going to get with the Minnesota Wild. He signs for three years, 2.75 per year with Minnesota. A team that has a little bit of room now because, A, they don't have Miko Koivu coming back. Alex Galchenyuk is a huge question mark back for Minnesota. There's a lot of room there for the Wild, and now they got rid of Dubnik, so pretty much this kind of fills that spot for the AAV of Dubnik because, like I said, he's making a little over $2 million with the Wild now to San Jose, so that opened the door up for Carson Soucy. And Andre Sakara, who got pretty banged up there towards the end of the playoffs of the Dallas Stars, but he'll be signing on for two more years, $1.5 million from there. And now the goaltender decided to make a bunch of money. We'll start off with the cheap ones, if you will. Laurent, Laurent Bessois. Laurent Bessois. It's a great way to say it. Laurent Bessois. Former Edmonton Oil King, Laurent Bessois. One year, $1.5 million extension with the Winnipeg Jets. Okay, you know, give Connor Halibut some help for another year. Because it's not like Manitoba has any goaltenders, guys. I mean, Winnipeg, if anything, Winnipeg may get a goaltender because we may get Askarov first because they need help developing goaltenders down there. Eric Comrie's never turned to anything. That's why he left. I don't even know who they have down there with Manitoba nowadays. Michael Hutchinson was their last great prospect, and well, he's with Colorado now. Yeah, Brian Elliott signing to be backing up, well, backing up more or less. Carter Hart, one year, $1.5 million with the Flyers. Not a bad deal. He's a, a quality goaltender that can show that 
he can still play and be be capable. I, I forgot what game. When did he? I think he played one of the games in the qualifying or in the round robin. And I thought he played a little. He played a little bit in that Montreal series. He's still showing that he can play. I think he played actually one game in the Islander series, but it didn't go so well. Yet then again, during the regular season, you can't play Carter Hart seventy games. This is not nineteen ninety eight where you play Patrick Waugh every single game and Craig Billington goes like five and six because that literally, his record one year Craig Billington's was his numbers were awful. But he had Patrick Waugh as the starter, and he played like Billington played like ten games, so it really didn't matter. But Brian Elliott, he could play. He could be a guy that can play 20, 25 games, thirty games for you, and not not stink. He can give you quality starts, and that's what the Flyers want from him. Tristan Jari signs with Pittsburgh, three years at three point five million dollars. This, folks, is where it gets to the good stuff. Because what does that mean for Matthew H. Murray? I don't know what his middle name is, but we're going to go with H. Matthew Murray. What does that mean for him? Because now, all of a sudden, speculation begins. Now, yes, Tristan Jari had a big coming out year, and we have seen in the past that he could be a good backup goaltender. This year, though, he made that next jump. He was going to be an all-star before he got hurt for the Metropolitan Division. He was a goaltender that heading into that series against Montreal, there were legit questions of Jari or would it be Tristan Jari or would it be Matt Murray? Pittsburgh went with Matt Murray and didn't work out. Montreal beat him. Jari played in game four. And what was he supposed to do? Pittsburgh's all, any confidence they had was gone at that point. He was really fed to the wolf. Montreal ended up winning that game four, clinching the series. Now Pittsburgh, what they're looking at right now, they have, now contracted, Jari for three years, Casey DeSmith for 1.25. I think DeSmith will go back down to Wilkes-Barre. They have him as an NHL goaltender simply because of the fact they have no one else because right now Matt Murray is a restricted free agent with arbitration rights, which does get a little finicky when it comes to signing deals. Uh, what are they going to offer him? Because I believe this is Murray's last year Excuse me, of his... Not his ELC. Is it his ELC? No, because he signed. Oh, because he hasn't played enough games yet. He was signed for 3.75 for the last three seasons, but is still an RFA because the contract he signed with Pittsburgh in 2013 when he came to the Penguins was a mainly minor league deal because he played. He didn't play the first year. In the three years of his ELC, he spent the majority with the well, the first year of majority with Wilkes-Barre, second year majority, but then Fleury got the concussion. Murray comes in, leads him to the cup. 16-17 was the last year of making 902, 902,000, that is. And then he got this contract through the 2020, through this season, making 11.25 over the last three years. He is still an RFA because he didn't play enough games. He's in that bracket that makes him an RFA. It's kind of finicky, and I can't quite explain it. I don't think he's, I, I think it's because he hasn't played enough games yet. I believe that's what the thing is with Matt Murray. It makes it because you can, you obviously you, it's not like someone can sign. No one's going to offer sheet Matt Murray. No one offer sheets a goaltender. So that's throw it out the window. Well, the window's there. So throw it out that window. You can throw it out the door if you want, but what are you going to offer him? Because with any contract over a million dollars, you have to give him at least a 105% raise. So made 3.75, 
Uh, I'm going to quick do the math here. I got to pull up my calculator, my trusty Samsung S20. Let's see here. 3.75 times 1.05 equals, oh boy, at least $3.9375 million. So almost $4 million you have to sign him. And it's not awful, but it's not, uh, that's too much, I believe, for Matt Murray. Just the way he played last year, I don't think he's $4 million goaltender. But someone's going to have to pay him that kind of money just because he's contractually and legally obligated to make that money. So who's going to trade for him? Because you have to think that Jim Rutherford, with the Pittsburgh Penguins team that's all seemingly not a contender anymore, you're going to really want to spend seven and a half, at least now seven and a half million dollars between two goaltenders. And the one, the cheaper option is going to be your starter. Unless Matt Murray has a comeback year, but then you have two solid goaltenders. Sure. But if Matt Murray is not going to be your guy, you have to establish that now. So you can either start to retool or the words that I'm going to have to say, Pittsburgh's going to hate it, but the rebuild with Pittsburgh. Now, yes, they will not, They like I said, as long as 71 and 87 are on the roster, they will never do the full tank. They will never do the full break it down. As soon as Crosby retires, that team is going to be dismantled to the 1980s, early 80s Pittsburgh Penguins. Like, awful. Financially just distraught Pittsburgh Penguins. So, I really don't know what you do. Because it's so hard, because you're not going to get anything for trading an RFA because that team then is tasked with signing the goaltender. And the goaltender, with arbitration rights, Murray does, he can say no to a contract like that. So Jari's in a good spot because now he's got some, he's got some solid, solidified position with the Penguins. Murray doesn't. I want to see, I, I'm pretty sure Murray may get moved here, guys. Murray may get moved, but it's who's going to want to pay $4 million for a starting goaltender. Because now that he's going back towards being a fringe starter, I don't see a team like Carolina making a move for him because they have a pretty solid tandem in Morazic and Reimer. I don't see, I mean, what is it going to be like a team like LA who doesn't have an established goaltender anymore? Is it going to be a team like San Jose who yes, has a goaltender, Martin Jones, but that's seemingly on the fritz. What about Anaheim? John Gibson? Sure. But who else you got? That's what I'm saying. I mean, Someone's going to leave him open. And I feel like whoever's going to sign him is going to leave him exposed to Seattle next year. So you may be looking at Matt Murray as a Seattle goaltender for the Seattle Kraken. Seattle Kraken Murray. Because Murray, I'm pretty sure, is Kraken by the fact that he doesn't have a contract yet. Emphasis on the cuss sounds. Contract, Kraken. Contract, Kraken, Murray. No, no, that is CCM. Oh, my. Well, there he, he's a Vaughn goaltender. He couldn't use CCM pads. Man, that was a great marketing scheme, I thought. Then again, Kraken starts with a K, so it wouldn't be. Listen, I'm not here to think about every logistical thing. Alex is not here to kind of reel me in. But Jari seemingly right now is the number one starter. So that means Murray, either is going to take, either Pittsburgh's going to pay him minimum for a year, well, the minimum that he can make, which is close to $4 million, a year, and then leave him exposed to the free agency, which means leave him open to Matt Murray, Matt Murray to Seattle. But 
Jim Rutherford's got his shoes tied, and I don't know if they got him tied the right way with signing Jari and then having to sign Matt Murray with arbitration rights. It'll be tough. Another team that's got a goaltending controversy, and it's been that way since the playoffs, is the Vegas Golden Knights because they extended Robin Leonard five years, $5 million. And before we get to the controversial part of this whole scenario, let's all just be glad and congratulative towards Robin Leonard for finally getting some some solidarity with a team, some comfort level, some established ground, if you will, because leaving Buffalo all out of sorts, goes to the Islanders, signs one-year deal, Jennings Trophy winner, Vesna candidate, Bill Masterton award winner, doesn't get offered by the team. Doesn't going to get offered as much. He wanted to be, he wanted somewhere long-term. Still wasn't going to get it from the Islanders. They get Varlamov, they get Thomas Grice going back in there, and yeah, they make it to the conference finals. Okay. All right, Chicago. I'll go to Chicago, $4 million. Go play with Corey Crawford. They were in a bad tandem, and the Blackhawks were a team that seemingly could come back around, but they weren't going to be a playoff team. They thought, well, Leonard's still stock is still high. Let's trade him. Let's give him to Vegas. We'll get some stuff in return. And yes, then it was Hawks in Vegas in the round one of the Stanley Cup playoffs, which made it a little awkward, but yeah, Robin Leonard showed that he could play, and he took over the starting role from Marc-Andre Fleury, which did cause a lot of havoc. And now they extended him for five years. I, man, first of all, I mean, like I said, congratulations to Robin Leonard for finally getting a long-term deal with A, a good team, and B, just something now he can build off on just now for the future of his life now because that's a real big thing for the panda bear. Now, let's get to the elephant in the room. $12 million between two goaltenders. Mark andre Fleury's got two more years at $7 million. Do the Vegas Golden Knights want to pay that for that long? Right now, projected cap space for this season, $0 and 0 cents. They don't have anything in LTIR. They have, right now, they are 59, a little almost 60,000 over the cap. No LTIR that is known of at the moment. You do have six rostered defensemen, which is nice. You have Zach Whitecloud, Nick Holden, Brady McNabb, Alec Martinez for another year, Shea Theodore, Nate Schmidt signed through 2025 each, John Merrill and Derek England. Derek England probably going to hang up the skates here because I just don't think they're going to sign him. John Merrill, what are you going to sign him with? And forwards, you do have four lines and whatever. Nick Cousins in RFA, Chandler Stevens in RFA. Unless you're going to trade their rights, you're going to have to pay them a little bit of money. Thomas Noshik, that's a guy that I believe that's going to go somewhere else in free agency. He hasn't been a guy that produces. You don't need to worry about signing him. That said, you still need to sign a few more players here and there just to kind of fill up your spots and fill up your rosters, both in the NHL and the AHL. And, you know, where's that money going to come from, guys? $7 million with Marc-Andre Fleury. That's a that's kind of a deal, isn't it? You know, I right now Mark Andre Fleury is a modified no trade clause for the next two seasons. Player submits a ten team no trade list. I wonder what that deal's going to what 
if, and then of course he has to submit the trade list before he gets traded, which means you're going to have to have Kelly McCrimmon go give him a text or give him a call or even knock on his door and say, flower, we need to trade you. Where do you not want to go? Boy, this could make things real because it's seven. Here's the thing too, unless because Vegas is going to Vegas is going to have to retain some of this, at least half because no one's going to take on a $7 million goaltender unless they're certain that that's going to be their starter. But what Tampa's not going to take them. They got Vasilevsky. St. Louis has got Bennington ish. Yes, they got rid of Jake Allen, so they're okay with that, but you're, you're not going to put $7 million on a goaltender when you have Bennington signed up for a couple more years. I'm interested to see what happens here. Uh, all, all signs are pointing to Flower getting traded. It's just where is he going to go? And how much is Vegas going to hold back? Now, yes, $3.5 million does at least give you something to spend, but it's not going to be enough to make your team better. Vegas is literally going to go into next season with Malcolm Subban as their backup goaltender and Rob, not Malcolm Subban, um, Max, uh, who, gosh, who are the goaltenders? I always said Malcolm Subban, but he's in Chicago. Who else do they have as a goaltender? They, oh, uh, ee, ooh, uh, uh, this ain't good. So listed as non-roster goaltenders, they have Logan Thompson, Dylan Ferguson, minor leagues, Oscar Dansk, who is a good minor league goaltender in the first season for the Vegas Golden Knights, posted the first ever shutout, and he showed that he could play in the NHL level. And you don't have Garrett Sparks, who's an unrestricted free agent, and you may have to end up signing him. And we all know that Garrett Sparks is an NHL goaltender, guys. All of us Leafs fans over here know that. You almost wonder if you're Vegas, do you keep him just because you need something? Because you're not going to buy him out and give him a new contract. If you buy out Marc-Andre Fleury, A, you're already going to spend money against the cap, and then you're going to lose him for nothing. At least Fleury has shown that he can is still worth something. He was still the starting goaltender. Was the team still great when he when, when excuse me, when Gerard Gallant got fired? No, that's that wasn't the case. But he still shows that he can be a top goaltender. He can start in the NHL. It's just for $7 million. That's the tough part in all this. And so, uh, Vegas is in trouble. Flower is going to get traded, and he's going to get traded to... Because, obviously, like I said, a 10-team no-trade list, which pretty much puts him in the in the realm of he's going to go to a team that has a shot of making the playoffs. <sighs> I'm trying to think of all the teams that were in the playoffs last year that needed a goaltender that would have liked to have had a better goaltender. I'm trying to think here. I mean, I'm trying to think. The only one I can think of, but they wouldn't do it. Nashville could have you. I mean, you Saros, I think, could be a starting goaltender in this league. So I don't, and they, I just don't think Nashville has enough money to make a move right now. Florida's got Bob for $10 million. Once again, Carolina has a good tandem right there with Reimer and Mrazic. Reimer, yes, is getting older, but as is Flurry. So there's really not much of a, oh, man, this would be a better deal. No, I think, if not mistaken, Flurry's older. I, I'm trying to think who else would. I mean, Philly's set. Pittsburgh's got Tristan Jari. They are not, and they're not going to sign Murray for $4 million. They're not going to get Flurry back for that. 
Vancouver's got I mean, Vancouver's trying to get Markstrom, and we'll get to him a little bit later on in the show and talk about free agents. But they got Demko on the rise there. California teams seem to be out of the question nowadays, unless Martin Jones gets traded or bought out. But you're not going to trade Martin Jones, who's eight million dollars, for Mark Andre Fleury, who's seven million dollars for Kelly McCrimmon. LA's got Quick, but you're not going to trade Quick for Fleury, and you're not going to make him a backup. With I mean, that could be a decent tandem, but that's probably going to be a team that Fleury's going to put as a no trade list. Dallas will have a spot open, but once again, you're going to be paying Ben Bishop five. I think it's close to five, right? Let me quick jump over to Dallas here on the catfriendly.com, which will probably be a site that just gets broken on Friday. He is making four point, almost five, 4.916666. So almost five for Ben Bishop. So you'll be similar to Vegas, almost $12 million. That team, though, has cap space, but they have to sign Radic Faxa, Rupe Hintz, Dennis Garyanov, and uh, do they... Is he back off the list? Well, let me just look here. I'm just trying to make sure of something here before I say it. Uh, where is he? Yo, Kivy Ranta is back on the non-rostered forwards list. Okay, that's BS. But anyways, regardless, Dallas would have the space to do it, but I don't think they want to do that because once again, they had the problem with Kari Lettinen and Antony Emi, and that worked out so well. So Dallas is out of the question. I just don't I don't think there's a team that can afford Mark Andre Fleury that is a competitive hockey team. Once again, the no trade clause comes in, the modified no trade clause comes in, and Fleury can say, I don't want to go to these 10 teams. And those 10 teams will include the teams that have cap space and are bad. Because I'm pretty sure, and I like I said, I think I said a couple weeks ago, Ottawa would be interesting just because a, it's closer to Fleury's home province of Quebec. And Ottawa, they're not going to be awful. They do need a goaltender, but you're not going to buy a goaltender when you're still bad. That's the last thing you do. And then again, once I said it's two years with Flurry, and then you could look at getting bringing out a prospect in. But I'm not sure what the move is going to be for Kelly McCrimmon. Where are Flowers going to go? But you need to trade him if you sign him for that. And yes, a tandem's great. But unless Kelly McCrimmon is set in stone with having the exact same team he had last season. Then if he is, okay. But if not, you're going to have to make a move, and it's going to be listed as Marc-Andre Fleury because Robin Leonard, with signing him for five years, you have made him your starter for five more seasons. Fleury is out the door. The first ever pick for the Vegas Golden Knights in the expansion draft, Marc-Andre Fleury, will no longer be a Vegas Golden Knight. That's the truth, the long truth, and nothing but the truth. So help me God, I'm sorry. That's just how it's going to be. The logistics of it, that'll be foreseen. So we'll just have to wait and see that. Maybe something will happen tomorrow night on the draft floor. Well, the draft virtual floor, whatever it may be. So we're going to take another quick break here because I just need to get a quick drink of water and you know make sure everything is okay with the vocal cords and everything, kind of reassess everything because we got a lot to get to today because we still got free agent madness coming up here on the Kuehl Show. Right? Think, do I look at these all these players and be like, these guys are going to go. Where will they go? I don't know. But I'll just probably yell about it. I'll say some really dumb pick, and 95% will be wrong. We'll be back with more of the Kula Show here on 12 Ounce Sports right after this. And welcome back, everyone, to the Kula Show here on 12 Ounce Sports. Once again, brought to you by Sack and String Leather Company. 
That was not a that was not a intended like mess up. I did that on purpose. I, I swear. I swear I did that on purpose. Once again, thank you all for tuning in on 12 Ounce Sports, whether you're watching YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Singo TV, whatever you're watching us, whether you're watching the replay on the YouTube channel, The Cule Show, or listening on your favorite podcatcher, or somehow listening it to someone who cranked it up in their office because they're cool that way, and they like to listen to us while they're at work, and you're like, huh, those, I mean, it sounds very faint, but that guy sounds legit. I mean, I really don't sound legit. I'm just here yelling by myself because Alex is unfit to host this week. He'll be, no, he won't be back next week because I probably, I'll say this now, I'll say it at the end. Next Monday's show will actually have to be pre-recorded. I work next Monday at my other job, and uh, can I say it on the I don't know if I can. Uh, I'll just say, next Monday night, I cannot do the show live. It'll be here on 12 Ounce Sports during a 6 to 8.30 time slot. It may not be the full two and a half hours, but we'll go live at 6 o'clock. It'll be pre-recorded, so it'll be up on the YouTube channel and all the podcatchers beforehand. We'll probably tweet about it as well, but we'll still go live on 12 Ounce Sports at 6 o'clock Eastern time. So what you'll be seeing will not, and you'll be if you're in the chat, you'll be like, "Oh, hey Tyler, how's it going?" I won't even. I'll have no clue. I I may monitor the chat just so everyone doesn't think I don't exist, and I'll chime in with you guys. But I it will not be the same kind of show. So, but I will will be pre-recorded. We'll have the draft, the draft backlash, and free agency backlash. NHL free agency starts on the ninth, and let me tell you guys, this is going to be. An interesting year, not just because of the fact that a we start off. Let's see, make sure. Make sure it's the ninth. It is the ninth, right? Yes, October 9th, 12 o'clock. I was, I was right because I'm like I kept saying the ninth, but it's one of those things where you say it enough times, folks, you think you're wrong. That's one of those things. I'm like October 9th, October 9th. Okay, that makes sense. That uh, is it the ninth? Because I'm pretty sure GMs want a day off after the draft just so they're prepared for free agency. Because imagine this. All right, guys, you just did seven rounds of draft picks. We got all these guys. We got to do what tomorrow? We got to sign guys? But we got to sign all these prospects, man. We can't just, we don't have any money. Like, it, it's like a draft hangover joke. Okay, all right. Because free agency is a little bit different because free agency can go on for one day. And it can go for 20 days. Obviously, teams, players will get signed well into November, but the first three or four days, pretty much leading into Monday's show, because we will do the final recording on Monday. It'll be done Monday morning. That's where the big stuff will happen, which only means I'm going to record Monday morning here in the studio, and I'm going to wake up, and I'm going to go take a nap. I'm going to go to work, and then news will break, and I'll be sitting there on live, and I'll be probably throwing in the live chat, hey, guys, if you didn't know it's breaking news, da, 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 and I'll send it in there, and I'll be, look kind of dumb because it won't be me actually talking about it. Alex won't be here for it because... He has class Monday morning, and so pretty much it means three shows in a row with me. I mean, six hours of me straight. You gotta love it here on 12-Ounce Sports, the kill show. All right, so let's get to free agency predictions, if you will, because there's a lot of big names that are right now current UFAs. Now, yes, between now and Friday, a lot of these guys could be signed by their respective clubs. We'll pick which ones we think will be based on cap space based on performance based on whether they their team wants them or not whether they want to sign with the team that they previously paid for words tyler it's not that difficult you get paid to talk for a living gosh figure it out actually i really do that's all i do now is i get paid to talk both jobs i do so let's start off with the forwards first and the big i don't want to say the big kahuna but the seeming like seemingly the big name that this free agency is taylor hall 
And the reason why it's a big deal, because it's all seemingly in all counts that from all the reports I have heard, that is Taylor Hall is not going to be signed by the Arizona Coyotes. Reason being is because there have been multiple reports that the Coyotes are looking to trade with teams to trade Taylor Hall's signing rights. Now, once again, as I kind of mentioned towards the beginning of the show, they, the Winnipeg Jets did this with Kevin Hayes last year. They were able to get a pick in return. Kevin Hayes signed with the Philadelphia Flyers. This happened also relatively recently. Joel Edmondson goes from Carolina to Montreal. Joel Edmondson signs to Montreal. Now, yes, the teams need to negotiate and be like, will you sign him? And does Taylor Hall want to sign with whatever team? Because unfortunately, Bill Armstrong was not going to be the guy that could go in there. And there was another guy that they were looking, there was teams looking about trading. I just want to, I got to go to my, my other, my other picks. Oh, TSN just tweeted, who's in your top five? And I said, you should, I'm going to, oh, here, give me one second here. Um, I'm going to quote tweet him. Here we go. You guys should be watching our show. It's professional. I know, right, guys? You guys should be watching our show right now. And bam, and NHL, yeah. That's how you do it, kids. That's how you market yourselves. You retweet them, you tag them. Actually, hold on, better idea. Let's put it in the comments. People will, people will see that. Because no one sees, something I've kind of learned as throughout this all this fun stuff of social medias is that no one will see your tweet if you retweet someone unless they actually like it. I mean, obviously, your own followers will look at it. But no one will actually see your own tweet. Um, but so I just tweeted that. So look at us go. Yeah, look at us go. Yeah, people are going to click it and they're be like, oh man, this guy is talking about hockey and stuff. Let's just click it. So there's going to be maybe two people that'll click the link and they'll show up and be like, who is this guy? My name is Tyler. My name's not Jeff. I'm not going to do that dumb 22 Jump Street, but that was an awful movie. Anyways, back to our regular schedule program. Taylor Hall is a guy that I'm not sure is going to get. I don't know what he's going to make because that is a, it's a big dollar amount that they're going to have to go for. If you want to sign, because Taylor Hall is still going to want a lot of money guys. There's going to be money. And where is the other trade? Um, there was, sorry, there was guys that were looking to get traded that, um, about the no trade clause or had a no move clause. Cause there's obvious, there's talks about Sorelli and, um, it's Kale Sergachev being traded. Their RFA rights. Tyler. Oh, that was that one. Tyler Johnson could be getting traded. They're working out his full no trade clause. The Tampa Bay has talked with Tyler Johnson's camp. They would, that would obviously, if he waves it, he can get traded. Now, obviously he's not, I think 5 million for one more season. So that's still a little bit of money back to Taylor Hall though. This is a guy that's kind of since that heart trophy season, obviously one, the next season in New Jersey didn't go well. And since he's gone to Arizona, he's been, good, but he's not been Taylor Hall of old good. And you just hate to wonder, Edmonton Oilers fans, I'm looking at you. You hate to wonder if you wasted his best years when he was in Edmonton. Yes. Did he win the Hart Trophy with in 2018? Yes. So technically that's his best year based on the fact that he won something in the postseason, but he was still pretty good before McDavid came along. He just wasn't on a good team. So now he has regressed, I think, to the point where he's not going to be making $6 million, $7 million, $8 million. He may be making 4 or 5 
But Arizona at least wants to get something out of this, realizing that they can't sign a player that they really, really want to keep. They want to get something from return. You don't want to let them walk. At least they're, they're, they're going to try. They're going to try to find someone, hey, give us a fifth. Give us a sixth. Now, that does not mean Taylor Hall is only worth a fifth or a sixth-round pick. It means that, hey, he could just, he could be, you know, could backstab you and not sign with you. But you at least only lost a sixth-round pick. So that's what I think Taylor Hall is going to, or at least that's what Arizona is looking to do, to get something for Taylor Hall, at least anything, so he doesn't walk for free. Whether or not a team trades for Taylor Hall is up in the air. You're going to be looking for a guy that can, someone, a team that needs a little top six help. And uh, Nashville seemed like that was the team, and that's why they got Matt Duchesne last year. But, man, it just hasn't worked out. But a team like Dallas, who who is was right there. They were two wins away, guys. They were right there. They needed extra scoring help. Do they go after a guy like Taylor Hall? Because that team has cap space. Does a team like, I'm not going to say Florida, because Florida has too much money wrapped up in Bobrovsky, but does a team like Florida, though, honestly, just take a look and see, hey, can we give it a shot? Because you want more down there. Because you may be losing a guy like Mike Hoffman, which carries me into Hoffman. Hall, I believe, will, he'll go to a team similar to Dallas, similar to Florida. Not Philly, because I don't think Philly's going to want to do that thing where they have to sign another guy after trading another late-round draft pick away. But maybe Pittsburgh? Put him with Crosby? Maybe revitalization? Phil Kessel did that. He put up some pretty big numbers. Brian Russ is a superstar because he plays with Crosby. Taylor Hall, I think, could bounce back if he played with a former top player in the CHL in Sidney Crosby, or even if he does with Malkin. So I, that wouldn't be a bad spot for Taylor Hall. Michael Granlin. And I'm not going to say Michael Granlin back to Minnesota just because I wrote about it for the hockey writers. But it makes sense, doesn't it? Think of it this way, Wild fans. If Mikhail Granlin signs back with Minnesota, he may not be the same Granlin in 2015, 2016, but he's still a capable forward. He's still got skill. He's still got hands. He just put on a bad team last year. He was traded for nothing. My goodness. I don't know how Minnesota... I mean, I, I Billy Garen would make, obviously, a more fair deal, but I don't believe Granlin's going to re-sign with Nashville. He'll go to a he'll go to a downsized team. He's not going to go to a top contender. I don't. His stock's not that high like he used to be when he was at his peak with the Minnesota Wild, and so he may go back to a team like Minnesota. Maybe he'll find a spot in Calgary. You know, finding maybe a bottom six role where he can still play offense with a guy like Mikhail Backlund, Michael Backlund. You know, kind of in a role like that where he can play offense, but he may have to learn how to play a little bit more defense as well. You have a guy like Carl Soderberg. Soderberg is an interesting one, another Arizona guy. I I don't know with him, you know, because he was had such high he was looking at such high regards with Colorado. Team wasn't playing well, so he goes down to Arizona and he didn't have the greatest numbers by any stretch, but he was still a big time player for them when they needed him to be. Let's look at what he was making before this season. His last contract that he had, which was signed with Colorado before he was moved, was $4.75 million for five seasons. This past year with the Arizona Coyotes in 70 games, put 35 points. Eh, 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 not the best. 49 points the year before that. And this is a contract that he signed 
back in 2015. He signed it in the summer, right before free agency, and that was after he had a pretty good couple seasons with the Boston Bruins, 48 and 44 points in 13, 14, 14, 15, respectively. So he had some, and he had 51 points his first year with Colorado. Once again, not a good team, but he was putting up some good numbers. Is he worth that kind of money now? Uh, I don't know. I mean, money's starting to rise, but on a flat cap, that may make it a little bit harder. So Soderberg is a interesting asset because he still can play. He can play anywhere on the lineup you want him to. He can play towards the top six and produce points, but he can play in the bottom six and play a more defensive role and a more sheltered role if you need him to be. But the question is, with a lot of these guys you're going to see too, how much you want to put on him? I don't think you're going to put $4 million on a guy like Soderberg, or maybe four, but I don't think he's going to get an astronomical raise. So Arizona, I mean, I know once again, with them, money is tough. Money is incredibly tough with Arizona. That's why they're losing guys like Taylor Hall. That's why Brett, Brett Kessel, Phil Kessel may be a guy that gets moved by the Arizona Coyotes simply because they can't afford to pay him. That's why Clayton Keller, they locked him up because hey, let's pay him now because if he gets too good, if he does a bridge deal with him, he may be worth $10 million, and we can't afford that. So there's going to be some question marks on whether or not they can re-sign him. I am I'm more favorable to Arizona signing Soderberg than Taylor Hall because obviously Hall is out, and I think there's a better chance they get Soderberg because now they realize, hey, we can't, we're not going to pay Hall $7, 8000000 million, whatever they were going to offer him but we can still sign Soderberg for a reasonable amount of money that's not going to put us under, you know? Uh, another guy, speaking of, we're talking about Nashville with Mikhail Granlund, Wayne Simmons. I know he went to Buffalo, but he was with Nashville. Wayne Simmons. Now, there was talks for a minute of him signing with the Leafs. He's the, you know, the new market train. He's right there. He's got the family in the GTA. Alex said no because he's old and whatnot, but this is obviously not the Wayne Simmons I was making three. That was underpaid at three and a half million dollars. He's obviously older. He's obviously more worn down, but do you give him a shot? You know, do you, and I, this is kind of, this kind of also, I'll hook him up with Bobby Ryan in this scenario. You know, he's not the guy I was making that kind of the big money, but you could still give him a chance, right? Bobby Ryan. Could Bobby Ryan fit in Toronto? Could Wayne Simmons fit in Toronto? Why are you signing old guys? Because if you sign him for cheap, look at Jason Spezza. Yes, he signed for minimum wage again, but he had, he seemed to have, I don't say turned his career around, but he had a real big bounce back year. Sheltered role, albeit, but Wayne Simmons on the power, adds a little bit of toughness. What do the, what did the, what did the Tampa Bay Lightning get this year? They got Coleman. They got Goudreau. They got Maroon. They got toughness. Luke Shen. They got toughness to add to their skill. The Leafs don't have toughness. I'm sorry. Morgan Riley is your most physical player. That's not toughness. That's accident. I mean, who was really the most physical guy? Trevor Moore? Zach Hyman? Zach Hyman can't be your one guy. You need to have more grinders, more gritty players. Wayne Simmons is big boy new market Wayne Train Simmons coming in there and throwing the body, getting in front of the goaltender, not willing to not going to sissy out in the corners. He's going to get in there. He's going to throw the body. He's going to get in front of the net. He's going to be do some hard work and dirty goals. Wayne Simmons is going to go to a team that needs physicality, that needs toughness. And the the two teams that I look at because they got rid of him did the Edmonton Oilers and the 
Toronto Maple Leafs. But the Edmonton Oilers had Patrick Maroon. They had Milan Lucic. So they, I mean, they still have Zach Cassian. Guys, we've learned that, I don't know, Edmonton and Toronto seem like lost causes. But they need some role players in there to step up. And if Wayne Simmons can go in there, and he doesn't need to put up 50 points. He doesn't need to put up 25 goals. If he can go in there and play third or fourth line and put in 10, 15 goals, but not be a liability in the defensive zone, either team will take that, guys. I'm not saying he's going to, I don't think he's going to go to a team like Vancouver. Vancouver is such a weird spot for me. I don't know if Jim Benning's going to go out and sign because he's got a lot in his own plate right now with Jacob Markstrom, which like I said, we'll get to later. Mike Hoffman, we talked about a little bit when mentioning Taylor Hall. I don't know if Hoffman's experience in Florida was great. I know he really digressed because whenever, the, let's put it this way, when the Leafs played him, I think he scored a couple goals, but I he just never seemed like the same player, you know? It didn't seem like the same guy when he was with Ottawa when that's 2017 run, guys. He was huge for that team. Him, Eric Carlson, I'm going to say Bobby, but Clark MacArthur, like those were the three big three-headed monster for Ottawa leading them down the stretch. And of course, Craig Anderson playing out of his mind. Now that whole team has been dismantled. With every, I don't think there's anyone from that team, if I'm not mistaken, as I rub my eye very awkwardly in front of you guys. But I like the move... For ooh, here we go. <laughs> we have Curtis Meldrum hopping on in here. Uh, thank you very much, Curtis, for jumping on in here. Ottawa's third and fifth for a new owner. Any team interested? That was pretty good. Oh yeah, yes. Anderson, Mark Stone. I totally forgot about Mark Stone and Eric Carlson. Colin White was also pretty good with Ottawa in that 2017 run. I'm still jealous because Curtis, if you just joined us, I'm a little bit of a Leafs fan. If you see this Leafs mug right here to your left, but. Yeah, <laughs> Eugene Melnick is a he's a character. He's a character indeed for just many reasons. But I Curtis, I mean, just jumping back to you. He is I Ottawa's in such a good spot right now. How could he not be happy? Like it, I know the Mike Hoffman deal and Pierre Dorian kind of got gypped by Doug Wilson flipping that, but you you got to love the spot that the senators in right now, you have ability to take two guys. That'll be NHL ready within a year or two. Uh, Ottawa going back to my draft. I know I'm jumping back here to my draft stuff here, folks, but you got to like where Ottawa's at. He played. Oh, Curtis is making it. So Colin white is the only player from that 2017 team. He played two minutes in one of the playoff games. Wow. There's a stat for you. Who is the only guy? Colin white played less than who was it? Mike Condon was their backup. I'm pretty sure that time with Ottawa. I think Mike Condon may have played more than Colin White in those playoffs. But no, yeah, I Ottawa's in a good spot, and I know the ownership is just. I, it's not as bad. Let's Curtis is your Sens fan, I presume. Not as bad as it was a couple of years ago. I think Melnick's kind of toned it down a little bit. They've gotten rid of some people that were kind of a, a little shady behind the scenes, and also you got Brian five or six cheering you guys on. Come on. You got Ben Milks. You got your boy there. You got to love the Senators are in a good spot right now with for Curtis. Thank you very much, Curtis, for jumping in the chat with us here. Curtis must have accidentally clicked that link I put on TSN. But regardless, obviously, thank you very much, Curtis. And so going back here to the free agency, let's let's talk about Vlad, Vladislav Nemestikov. I, you know, he's such a funny player. Like he's a guy that was one of the guys that was on the outs with Tampa Bay because they had so much talent, just 
couldn't win in the playoffs. And I wonder just like who wants to pay for him? He's a he's a talented hockey player. I just don't I mean if Colorado can afford him, let me quick run over here to Colorado's cap friendly. I'm sorry, folks. I can't have everyone's tab like every team's tabs open for cap friendly because a, that would probably destroy my computer. If anything, the live stream would just com- be complete mush because you know how folks it is. Remember we did the Google stream for a minute there. We did the Google phone call with Peyton Turnage where it got really glitchy and bad. That'll happen times a thousand. If I have 30 tabs open on this computer, I only have like a few just so I can make sure I get my numbers here next season. They have about actually they have quite a bit over 20 some odd thousand in cap space, but we kind of mentioned this before they have Valerie Nachushkin who will be in a restricted RFA or a arbitration eligible RFA, Andre Burakovsky, RFA, Vladislav Kamenev, RFA, Tyson Jost, RFA. You have Nieto, Colin Wilson, and Nemestikov up front as UFAs. You have to sign Nikita Zadorov. Ryan Graves is a really talented defenseman. He's another RFA. And Kevin Kanaten's in a UFA, but you can do what you want with him. So it's going to be tough for Colorado to get the right deal because, oh man, they still, they are, oh man, still three more years of 6.3 Nathan McKinnon. Boy, Colorado is going to hold on to that hope. They, they, the time to win is now. Yes, and yes, thank you very much, Curtis. Have lot, they have lots of cap and perimeter player. Yeah, I, Mestikov, I, he puts up numbers and I, he played a pretty solid role for Colorado. I just, if they just hadn't ran into Dallas, that team could have easily made it to the Stanley Cup finals, if I'm not mistaken. So he'll be a guy that'll, he won't get a huge pay raise. He'll find a spot on a team. I, I wonder if if Joe Sackick really wants to make a move for him, but I think he'll be a guy that could be looking at the free agency. Cody Eakin is, yeah, so he did play for the Sens. Vladislav Nemestikov did. And Curtis, I feel like Curtis is one of those guys like me as a Leafs fan or a Red Wing. I remember, remind people, like, don't forget, Billy Ranford played for the Red Wings. Like, it, it's, Curtis seems like one of these guys that loves to remind people of who played for who. Like I, I told some people like people forget, like I talk about Patrick Aleem sometimes. And of course, Curtis, you know, Patrick Aleem very well. And us Leafs fans remember 2004 game seven very well. Patrick Aleem, because I'm here from Grand Rapids, played for the Grand Rapids Griffins for a little bit. So everyone, and that was during his rookie season. We went like 14, two and one. So Cody Eakin, as I'm jumping around here, folks, follow me here. 25 minutes left. We can get through it. Cody Eakin didn't put up a whole lot of numbers last year. When he was traded from Winnipeg to Ve- or Vegas to Winnipeg, I think Winnipeg keeps him if the number is right, and because he could be a guy that we've seen that he can play, you know, good depth center. He's a, not a bad defensive center, and you know, is not a liability within his own zone, and he can score when need be. So I'm <laughs> I just remind. Oh, I just saw his Curtis's reaction to Patrick, the words Patrick Laleem, which just absolutely bring misery. Don't worry. All you have to say is Boston Bruins for us Leafs fans. It's awful, Curtis. But I like Cody Eakin. I think Winnipeg will keep him. Joe Thornton, I mentioned him when we were talking about San Jose earlier on. I don't see, I don't see him going anywhere. I don't see any team making a real bid for him. So I think he'll stay with San Jose. It'll be a cheap contract. Ilya Kovalchuk is one I wrote because he's a very interesting asset right now because he didn't make a whole lot of money when he, after he was bought out by Los Angeles, he didn't 
have a whole lot of expectations signing with Montreal, but they signed him for league men, starts to put some numbers together. Obviously got a lot of playing time. Obviously he was on the outs with Willie Desjardins back in Los Angeles. Got some time with Montreal, and Montreal was starting to pick things up a little bit. They started to come back around, and all of a sudden the trade deadline hits, but they realize, yeah, hey, we're not going to make the playoffs. Let's not try to make a run for it. Let's see what we can get for Kovalchuk. They trade him to Washington. Doesn't put up a astronomical amount of numbers with the Caps, but then again, I think he was only with them for a week before the pause. And, and as we learned from a couple different people, we learned that Washington didn't even care that they were in the playoffs, so I'm not going to put that against Kovalchuk. Now, this I'm not saying he's going to be making $3 million or whatever, but he still has a good shot. He has veteran experience. You could be a guy that you could sign for one, one and a half million dollars, maybe two tops if you're really into it, and bring him into a team with maybe some younger talent, Rangers, and have him kind of push him in and be like, all right, he can be a power play guy. We don't need him to play defense and kind of bolster up the offense a little bit. And once again, not an expensive pickup. Kovalchuk is one I'm really watching for because, you know, I feel like a team that, not a, not a full-scale cup contender, but a team that's right around that middle area that they're they're good enough that they can compete in the playoffs, but they're not, you know, like a Minnesota, for example, make the playoffs by a game and get beaten out in the first round. So Kovalchuk will be interesting to watch. Let's jump back to the... <laughs> Oh, thanks, Dad, for jumping in. I like Patrick Liam. Yeah, you like Patrick Liam because he played for Ottawa, Dad. And for some reason, Curtis, my dad, that's the Johnny B. Kuehl that you're looking at over there. For some reason, so Grand Rapids for a while was Ottawa's farm team for a few seasons. And so that's why, like, Chris Neal is one of my favorite players of all time because he played for Grand Rapids, played here in Muskegon as well, and went to the NHL with Ottawa. So he was always one of my favorites. So... Curtis and Dad, you guys can chat it out amongst yourselves while I get to the defense that defensemen that are currently still listed as free agents. TJ Brody is one. I mean, there's only a few real big names, but here's a couple other smaller ones. TJ Brody, older guy with Calgary. You know, he's not the same kind of guy that I look at in 2017 when Calgary just had this big, tough, mean defense. That's they're all shells of each other now. Mark Giordano is definitely on the backside, even though he won the Norris a couple of years ago. You know, you, there's just not a whole lot there for Brody. I think he'll stay with Calgary though, but it won't be nearly as great of a contract. Andy Green is an interesting one because I he that's a guy that the Islanders may want to look at keeping. If I'm not mistaken, hold on, make sure I get this right. Yeah, Andy Green because he was with the New Jersey Devils and. You know, he get he was traded at the deadline, and you know he's not a big point guy. But I wonder if that's a guy that Lou Amarillo wants to keep because you add, and of course Barry Trotz, if he likes him, why not? Because Barry Trotz will determine everything that happens with the defense score because that's his team, that his defensive style that worked to get him to the conference finals. You have Johnny Boychuk, who's thirty six years old. Thomas Hickey's 31. Nick Letty's going to be turning 30 next season. Adam Pellick and Scott Mayfield, and you still have Noah Dobson, which I don't know if that's it, but you still have Ryan Pollock and Devin Taves to sign as restricted free agents. Andy Green is the only UFA on your back end. Yeah, he's older. He will be the oldest player, I believe, on the team. I'm pretty sure Komarov is only 30-some. J.G. Pajot, that's not him. Uh, 34 is Andrew Ladd. Gosh, that contract looks awful. And Leo Komarov is only 33. So uh, for me, that's experience. If you can get him at a fair contract, go for it. 
but I don't see many teams offering him a lot of money. And so, yes, Dad, I mentioned Pittsburgh and, or uh, with Grand Rapids with Patrick Lean. Sorry, just take a look at the old chat there. Jonathan Erickson. This one I only mentioned simply because that, you know, when we talked about the Wings, all their buyouts last Monday with Alex, Erickson obviously was one of the, con- not buyouts, but one of the contracts they are not going to renew. I, 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 is he gonna, you're ready for a $700,000 defenseman. That's pretty much what Jonathan Erickson is worth nowadays, so I don't see him going for nothing at all. Now, and there's Dmitry Kulikov as well. That'll be an interesting one to keep track of for you Winnipeg Jets fans because, you know, he's a guy that ended up playing some pretty solid minutes and big minutes too with the depleted defense core in Winnipeg because think of how good that defense core was. Truba, Tobias Anstrom, Dustin Bufflin, a young Josh Morrissey. You know, that defense was really good. And Dmitry Kulikov came in to kind of, after they all got dismantled, and, you know, he looked pretty good and, you know, if I think he'll want to stay in Winnipeg because he'll realize that he can get paid there because he'll be one of their top-end defensemen. So he's available as of right now, but I would not be surprised if he signed the next couple of days, re-signed with the Winnipeg Jets. The big two. This is where, folks, the salary cap just makes it incredibly, incredibly interesting. One guy we've mentioned a lot the last few weeks, one we haven't mentioned a whole lot of because we kind of forgot about it. But let's get to the one we've been talking about. Alex Petrangelo, a defenseman that in any fair time would be easily getting paid nine, nine and a half, maybe even $10 million. However, this whole flat cap because this whole pandemic thing has ruined all of that because now we're looking at a possibility of him not getting what he deserves or at least no team's going to want to offer him that because Petrangelo, not being the oldest guy in the league, but he's still not a young scallywag coming out of his ELC. This is going to be a guy that is going to have to really consider taking a pay cut if he wants to find a good team to play for because he is only 30 years old. He wasn't even the oldest player on his own team. He had Carl Gunnarsson, Robert Bertuzzo. Robert Bertuzzo still... Man, he never even played last year in the playoffs. I'm like, that's how I don't even re- remember that he was there. I mean, Justin Falk's 28, Marco Scandella, and it's just it, every sign right now is pointing to St. Louis not resigning him because they just don't have a whole lot of space. He was making six and a half for it was seven seasons with St. Louis, and his numbers are still there. He had one of his better years, 54 points a couple of years ago, but 52 this season in less games. So point per game average was his best of his career this past season. So in terms of, yes, having a great year in his career, he's still on the rise, but I don't know if you want to, because he's going to get locked up for seven, but I wonder if Petrangelo, if he wants to make that nine and nine and a half, if he does, and this is, I know it's only typical with youngsters these days, but a bridge deal because the league is hoping within three years they can start bumping up the cap again because 81 and a half is where we're going to be at, folks, for a couple years now. And Petrangelo probably sees that. Can he find, if there is an actual suitor out there that can pay him $9 million, I'm pretty sure he'll take it for probably seven years. That's probably what they'll be looking at. But if not, he may have to sign with the team for three years for seven, three years for eight. Oh, geez, battery pack. Hold on. Ah, battery. That's how professional we are, folks. Tyler starts panicking in the middle of a camera. <laughs> oh, that's a great shot for everybody. Everyone see me run to the camera. Okay, we're fixed. We're good. 
camera's knocked a little to the left. I have to move over now. How bad does the camera look? That ah, looks fine. A little off center now, but yeah, we'll figure it out. So, Petrangelo, before I was really interrupted by my camera about to die. Um, but Curtis says, any team who takes Petra will be happy for a few years and this contract will look real bad. Curtis, I, I agree with Curtis because in talking about former Senators, Curtis, Mark Stone, that contract with Vegas looks good now in a few years, you know? And that's the, that's the gamble you take with guys you're signing at 30 for long-term contracts. You take that gamble of paying a guy for an incredibly long time to be good now. I don't know where he fits, though. If you Because look at the team. I mean, Tampa is having to dismantle. You're not just going to, I mean, you're not, you can't add another defenseman to Tampa. There's just, there's no room for uh, on the blue line right now, unless you get let Shattenkirk go. Cause I believe Kevin Shattenkirk is another defenseman. That's going to get a pay raise this year. Ironically, a teammate of Petrangelo's back in the day. If you guys remember all you blues fans. And I like to think that I, I just, I want to know, I mean, cause Dallas is good, but Will they want to make a stab for a big name defenseman when they still have Klingberg? They still have to sign Heisken in a couple of years, or I believe in one year, if I'm not mistaken, because next year will be his third year. I, because Saint, I mean Saint Louis just doesn't have enough money to pay him to keep him around. Edmonton has no room. The Leafs, I mean, people, are, for some reason, there's actual thought that the Leafs can make a run for Petrangelo. With what? I mean, yes, I know Toronto has a lot of money. They're one of the richest teams in the league. But in terms of cap space, they have nothing. Unless you literally give up Tavares, or you give up Matthews, or if you give up Marner, which Marner is seeming like the number one guy in Toronto, there's no chance Petrangelo goes to Toronto. So any Leafs fan, get that out of your head now, please. I'm sorry. Yes, you can make it work if you do this, 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 and that. But what is Kyle Lewis going to do? Nothing. Petrangelo, where will he go? I don't know. Because there, there's so many teams that have cap space that can pay him for a long time. But once again, this pertains back to when I talked about Marc-Andre Fleury, that 10-team no-trade list, those teams that have cap space are the teams that he is not going to want to play for. Case in point, Petrangelo, he wants to go to a team that can maybe win another cup with. Now, maybe Petrangelo's happy with one cup. And you're right. Curtis, there you go. Curtis says Vegas. No, you're not going to sign it because Vegas is in cap hell. We, they have no room. They can't even afford to keep. They have like, I think they're 50,000. I think I said 60,000 over budget. Curtis, I'll give you this one. A team that has space. And if Petrangelo, once again, wants to make money over winning a cup again, and I hate to say it because this pertains to the team not winning a cup, but hey, your Ottawa Senators are available, right? There's a lot of money with Ottawa. There's a lot of money with Detroit. There's a lot of money with, and not as much with New Jersey because they have P.K. Subban, but Buffalo could be a spot. And I'm just saying, like that thing, does Petrangelo want to go to a good team or does he want to go to a team that's going to make him a lot of money? And I remember I thought about, I was thinking I was talking about with one of my friends one time about Petrangelo going to Detroit. Financially, yes, it's available. And would it work for these up, if Stevie Eisman starts to build the defense through the draft and through development, because there's a lot of guys down in Grand Rapids that, you know, if you go to camp with a guy like Petrangelo and get brought up into Detroit with Petrangelo, can learn a lot from a former captain. It's not not possible, but it's unlikely. So I look at it as 
And yes, Curtis, I did. I was talking about, I, you just missed it. I was about, probably about a half hour ago. I was talking about Fleury getting traded and it's going to be tough because of the 10 team, no trade list with him and the fact that he makes $7 million. Obviously Vegas can pertain or can, can hold back and they can retain a certain amount. Probably they'd probably have to hold about three and a half back, but Petrangelo is so interesting. I just I don't see him going to a team, a contender for the money that he's actually worth. I will say he's worth close to ten million dollars. I think he's honestly he's better than it's funny because Eric Carlson makes eleven and a half million dollars, and that's just a stupid contract because Doug Wilson signed a defenseman with one foot. And I think Petrangelo is actually better than Eric Carlson when at this point, at least when Eric Carlson signed the big eleven and a half million dollar contract. When Eric Carlson left Ottawa. Yes, he may have been that. Or no, he actually, I don't think he was doing that. Because when he had two feet, he was worth $11.5 million. Now he has a fake foot, and he's not. And I've also met Eric Carlson. He's about this tall. He's got a great mullet and a great stash. But it's hard to be a top defenseman when you only have one foot. The other defenseman that, oh my gosh, we only got 10 minutes left. I barely have any time to talk about goaltenders. Tori Krug. A name that we haven't talked about a whole lot. Tory Krug is a, so far, Boston hasn't done anything yet, is still an unrestricted free agent. They have him and Chara. Chara says he wants to play, but we'll have to see on that. Matt Grizzlick's a restricted free agent. You can sign him for cheap. As of right now, the projected cap space for the Boston Bruins is almost $15 million. Jake DeBrusque is an RFA. You're going to want to sign him. Yoki Nordstrom, you could let him walk. And like I said, you have Chara, Grizzlick. Kevin Miller is a UFA, but he's on the IR. So you could use LTIR there. So there is space to get Tory Krug to keep Tory Krug in Boston. And all of my in all of my contacts, everyone's saying that Tory Krug is most likely to stay in Boston. But let's play a little here. What if? Because Tory Krug is another defenseman that is worth in a fair time nine nine and a half ten million dollars. What if a guy that was making only five point two five? You have to remember before this. If he finds a team that's willing to pay that, here's the difference. Patra, I think Patrangelo is worth more because he's on the right side. He shoots right-handed. I know it's an incredibly annoying and record. Like sound like a broken record when I say that, especially when I was talking about Jamie Drysdale in my draft preview. But it's so valuable to have a right-handed shooting defenseman in this league and a guy like Patrangelo who can play on both ends of the rink, create offense, play defense, and on the right side. It's so tough for some teams to get that. Tory Krug is left-handed. Now he's, a, I believe he's a much more dynamic player. He's a lot more. I think he's got better speed. He's better on the rush. He's a great asset, good playmaker, but he's also good in his own end. That's why Tory Krug is so valuable. He'll be closer, I think, in the eight million dollar range. But you know he's going to want to go to a team that's going to win. So if he stays in Boston, because Boston for some reason has this thing where they all just stick together for cheap. So maybe they can, maybe somehow Don Sweeney can just knock on Tory Krug's door because I'm pretty sure Don Sweeney just goes to everyone's house these days in Boston. Hey, Tory, yes. You want to stay here, you know, $7.5 million. We can hang out, you know, we can come over. I'll make the barbecue every other Saturday. We'll hang out, maybe watch some football before the game, and then we'll go play some hockey and still be one of the best teams in the league every year. Because that's Boston, for some reason, able to do that. Look at Patrice Bergeron's contract. Look at David Pasternak's contract. Brad Marchand's contract. I mean, they've all the only goal. The only I think the honest, the only guy that's paid a lot, I believe, is Tukarask. Excuse me, David Krejci's got one more year at seven point two five. 
Tuka Rask is $7 million flat. Those are the two highest paid players in the, on the team. Bergeron, 6875. Pasternak is the devil's number, 6666666. 6125 for Marshan. Charlie Coyle is 525 till 2026. But that's it. Jake DeBrusque may not make $5 million, but he'll still make some money. So I, I, I pers- I'm pretty darn sure, 95% sure, that you're going to keep Tory Krug in Boston. But could you imagine if he gets an offer of like eight and a half, if someone can push that pitch or the money they were going to give to Pietrangelo, but Angelo goes somewhere else, so they have some money to give to Tory Krug? I, it could get interesting here, guys. I'm just saying, free agency is a fun time to be alive, and it's only going to happen on Friday. Curtis Melderman, Rask is about to get traded. Listen, they're not, no one's going to make Yaroslav Halak a number one goaltender. The only team that was ever going to do that, Curtis, was the Montreal Canadiens, and they gave it to Carey Price. And I, I'm not saying it was for the better, but I don't think Halak would have done any better than Carey Price did. I don't think Halak would have been MVP. I'll say that much. Speaking of goaltenders, let's get to him quickly. Hank, Henrik Lundqvist, we talked about him earlier. He's a UFA. I don't want him to go anywhere, but he will. He'll sign somewhere stupid. It'll be for $4 million, and it won't be worth it. So we'll just kind of leave him off to the side. And Curtis, I mean, you're right here right now at a perfect time. Craig Anderson will not be offered a contract. I, I, I Unless a team needs a backup somewhere with a veteran goaltender with a young netminder, like if say Vancouver can't sign Jacob Markstrom. All right. If you make Demko your starting goaltender, bring Craig Anderson into the fold. That may not be an awful deal. I like to think Jimmy Howard's going to get signed by a team, but if he doesn't, I won't be shocked because the guy doesn't have a groin left inside him. So heck send him to Carolina. He'll have some dumb real, you know, dumb career revitalization like Peter Mrazic has. Apparently that's a thing down there. So I think Jimmy Howard gets signed. by I don't know by who, I mentioned Jacob Markstrom, obviously, in plethora throughout this program. I'd like to think that he stays with Vancouver. Jim Benning has made it his goal to sign him. But if it's not the right deal, because Markstrom seems like, I don't want to say a selfish guy, but he's show, he knows he can be a number one goaltender, and he's going to want to make number one goaltender money. He was going to want to make five. He'll want to make six, close to $7 million. Even though it's a flat cap and probably no one's going to get paid that much, He's going to want the biggest number available. So it's looking like he's going to be testing the free agent market. Once again, I don't know if anyone's going to be, there's a lot of goaltending money to sp- or to go for, a lot of goaltenders to go for. There's just not a lot of money to spend for these goaltenders. So I think Markstrom will stick with Vancouver for a couple of years, maybe like a you know proverbial bridge, because he obviously, he's got that number one job locked up, unless for some reason Demko just, goes mind-boggling numbers next season in the entire year. But, you know, Benning wants to keep him, and I don't see why not. Played really well, except for the last couple of games when Demko took over because Markstrom, he'd started to tail off in that second round, but played big minutes in that first-round series against St. Louis, so why not give him some money? The other three guys that I have, I threw Thomas Grice in there because I wonder, I haven't heard anything yet on Thomas Grice getting offered by the Islanders, so I not going to say that he's going to leave the Islanders, but it'd be interesting. I mean, he, he should, I think he should hear offers because obviously the Islanders are still good enough that they can still win. So I'd like to see, I think he'll say New York, but he wouldn't be, well, I'm pretty sure he would not be not to say no to listening to other teams, but he'd probably say with the Islanders, Braden Holtby, he's still a UFA. Hmm. 
I mean, I know that the Washington Capitals, obviously he's not the same goaltender he was, was in the Vesna a couple of years ago, but I hope he's a guy that may honestly, I'm not, because I don't know, they don't, I mean, they have Sam Sonov, but what do you have Sam Sonov and Copley as your goaltenders? I mean, unless Washington really just wants to just say, we don't care about winning anymore. Because I, I don't think Hopi's going to need a big pay raise, but I think he'll stay, but you think they would have signed him by now, right? We'll just have to wait and see on Hopi's front. Quickly here before he sign off here, Anton Udobin, I wish I had more time with this one because I don't see him staying with Dallas. I really don't, guys, because why would you? Why would you stay with Dallas when you, you can't get – because this playoff really showed that he can be a starting goaltender. Remember Carolina experimented that a few years back? It didn't work out. Anton Udoma has officially made it known that he can be a number one goaltender in the NHL. Even though he has so many comparisons to Nikolai Habibulin that it may not be a long-term thing with him, he has shown that he can do it, right? I, I just wonder what, the rain, what his money is going to be like. Let me quick take a gander here. I have enough time to take one last look here of his contract. Teams, Dallas, come on, quickly find it. Go, 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 go. We got to sign off here. Uh, he was making, Anton Udobin was making $2.5 million. I think he could make four. And I don't know if I don't know if Dallas is going to offer him that. So it'll be very interesting to see what they do moving forward. But that is it. We're out of time here on this episode of the Kilo Show here on 12 Ounce Sports. Whether you're watching us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, thank you very much, Zingo TV. If you're watching the replay, thank you very much. Thank you for all joining in the chat with us here tonight. Be sure to check out for the replay. That'll be coming up tomorrow. Next Monday will be the recorded episode, the draft recap, free agency recap. We got to run through all this here because I got to get out of here. So if we're talking minors, the rando is next year on 12 Ounce Sports. Use the hashtag TKS when you talk about this show today on your favorite social medias at The Kewl Show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Thank you all very much for tuning into this week's Kewl Show. We will see you all next week. Goodbye.